0: Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by Drip Shop Live. Shop live streams of sports cards from your favorite sellers, right from your phone or computer giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker!
1: Hello everybody and good morning and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTMs, cards, autographs, collecting, and anything Drew wants to talk about, anything at all. We might even talk about pizza this week. (laughs) <laughs> we might no, even that talk sounds, about pizza that, sound, that sounds is, like a
2: good one to me i mean i'll take that
1: i know we're, we're when we do when we record this drew in the morning we always are, we're always hungry we always have food on our mind <laughs> it is season four episode 46 or almost a, through the end of the year here drew it's november 19th you're listening to the nationally ranked sports podcast hosted by me jeff baker i'm talking to you from boston massachusetts and i'm joined by my friend and co-host from dallas texas mr drew pelto Drew, the man of YouTube. I want to people know what you do on YouTube, Drew.
2: Of course, if you go to youtube.com slash DFW grapher, you can find all my videos there. I usually try to post one a month, usually with all my uh, TTMs with uh, any in person graphing I do, anything like that. I'm thinking next year I might go back to my once weekly thing that I was doing for a while instead. So we'll see if I we will see how that all goes. But yeah, youtube.com slash DFW grapher. You can also go to DFWgrapher.com. That's my website that has links to everything it has links to my youtube to my twitter to my uh, instagram all that kind of stuff it's right there so go and check that out
1: you know what Drew? i, w- I was going to talk about this a, l- a little later but you know this is the, the i feel like we're uh, in hospice waiting waiting for twitter to die and i'm i'm so sad about it i really really like twitter
2: yeah i mean i just i don't know what's going to happen with it but it's not looking good when you you know fire half of your company and then the remaining 75% seem to walk out on you. It's like, what are you doing here? I mean, Elon Musk may be a smart guy in a lot of aspects, but my God, he does not know anything about how to run a social media company, I don't think. So uh, did,
1: did you yeah. see the video? I think it was, I think I saw it on on, um, on TikTok. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure, but there was a video of outside Twitter headquarters and they have like a one of those Times Square reading, reader boards, you know, so it's an Elon Musk. Yep colon and then it's like uh cry baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know all these really bad things are like it was so funny
2: space karen had me rolling when i saw that so yeah did you see it yes i did space karen was the best one out of that whole group right there but yep yep
1: it's so yeah it's so funny so i mean he what a mess my my son's more tied into it than i am yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. All I know is Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the guy, right, with all this yeah. the, the stuff that he's supposedly done. And he's a kind of a loose cannon to begin with. But yeah. he's I, I think this is personal. Right. This was a whole this this has nothing to do with it, with Twitter was uh, profitable or was mm-hmm. uh, a great app. It was he, he he didn't like people making fun of him on Twitter. And he he said, I'm going to take I'm going to buy Twitter so no one can do it anymore.
2: I think it goes, a, a, it's definitely deeper than just like, well, I can make this better. I can improve it because no, you really can't if you're, you know, doing this kind of stuff right off the bat. I mean, you have to remember Twitter is a very powerful medium for organizing for uh, a lot of activists and those who are, you know, protesting against kind of brutal regimes out there really use it a lot for organizing and for, you know, getting the word out there to try to organize protests yep. and people who want to stop that stuff have a lot of money and are willing to back something like that. And so, I mean, who knows where he's getting money from to possibly, you know, take this and completely destroy it and say, Oh, gee, look, what look at that. It, it just happened to go down. I guess I just couldn't do anything with it. The guy has $200 billion of value of his own throwing away 44 billion on something is nothing for him. So, uh, yeah, no, I I'm, know what
1: it, it's, such it a wouldn't sh- surprise it, me if
2: there's, it wouldn't surprise me if there are a lot of deeper reasonings for him, uh, for him doing
1: this. I was a, a late, um, guy in terms of coming onto twitter because i never thought twitter was was conducive to cards and, our, and what we do in in, in autographs and, and and such but uh you know the guys that i that i that I interact with on twitter and, and you i'm sure you're in a lot of the, the you, you see a lot of the posts and the, they're just great guys and they're the content is fabulous and yeah. people are uh you know they post their ttm successes out there and they post you know there's a lot of uh trading going on out there and i think it's just a great community for the card collecting community and what's nice is you can just you know, you put a, po- a picture up you put your little twi- tweet up and, and then you get tons of responses from it and it creates dialogue right it's just really nice it's it's so totally different than instagram or, or facebook and you know that they, they are what they are but i really became i'm really a big twitter fan and i think for our hobby it's really not it's a really great uh, thing to use you know people you know if you want to find out uh, there's always good reviews on, on new releases and if you know target has a card that's the, the, that the now has cards in stock there's always a somebody tweets it out and you can you can get that and i think it's just i think twitter is really good for what we do and i was surprised mm-hmm. i
2: think honestly with the number of people who are kind of high up in knowing how to operate and create this entire site and, how, and just knowing how popular it was and what an easy money-making opportunity it would be, I think if Twitter dies out, you're going to see it come back in a different form under a different name, but something similar. I mean, all those, old, all those engineers, programmers, whoever are going to get together, somebody else is going to back it and it's going to come back in some other way. So yeah, Twitter, I think it could die out. And if so, I'm not really too worried though, because something else is going to pop up and take its place. It always seems to be how it happens.
1: Yeah, well, I think people in our age group you know what I mean I think it's a it's a good uh thing to use it's a it's a good community communication tool and I think it's a it's a great way to uh an instant message type of thing like let people know that that um things that you're interested in and in you know that just pops up in my in my tweet my whatever I you know I don't know what, what it's called but I tweet news all the, t- the t- right. <laughs> I see all your stuff you just you just tweeted all sorts of cool stuff with your your uh, indoor soccer you know yeah. just you, you you do a great job of it so uh guys uh you know where i'm at uh cast ttm if uh twitter still stays
3: <laughs>
1: and then we'll we'll find another place but we are also on instagram and on facebook uh drew of course, is D W G F W fw grapher he's on twitter and, and everywhere else so follow us and hopefully twitter stay as long live twitter (laughs) but well you know obviously some will something will fill the void why don't you let people know about our radio show Drew
2: of course we're on every Saturday morning at 10 a.m eastern Sunday morning at 7 a.m eastern on the sports map radio network we call ourselves sports collectors club a lot of those a lot of similar content to what you get here but a few differences in there as well so go and check that out on your local sports map radio affiliate and if you don't have one in your area you can just find their app download that and listen live on there.
1: Well, Drew, it has been uh probably the, the the best first third of the season, first quarter of the season for my winter sports teams, my Bruins and Celtics are both so much fun to watch. Um, they just they just both they, they're just playing both are playing so well. And uh, you know, you're a hockey guy, and I don't know if you've seen any Bruins games, but I've never seen the Bruins play uh so fast and their passing is phenomenal They don't they have guys that can take the, the hits and they also have uh, they're getting great goaltending and uh, i don't know if you've seen them seen play at all but the, they're really a joy to watch nice so That's i want to th- thank the broad Celtics. for that next week guys we, is thanksgiving but we will we will have a show uh drew and i will record uh, early in the week and i uh, will be posting it on uh black uh black friday i'll post it on friday morning so we will have a show next week uh so uh make sure you let people know that we will have a new show next week uh the world cup is coming up this weekend starting the world cup so uh i've, I've been kind of following a little uh, of what's been going on and talking with uh, our friend clemente lisa and we'll air from him later in the show and it's kind of uh, got my interest Drew, Are you into the world cup at all oh yeah
2: i'm gonna be watching as much of that as i can i know uh, when England and the U.S. play uh, Texas Live, which is this kind of, you know, entertainment and uh, such venue here in Arlington. They're going to have a big showing of the England-U.S. game. So my wife and I are probably going to try
1: and go check that out. Yeah, that's Friday, right? I think, I think Clemente so, said next Friday. I think Clemente was, thinks that might be the most watched uh, soccer game in yeah. U.S. history. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, and he thinks that – he seems to think that U.S. has a shot maybe coming out of that uh, group because they'll, you know, they, as a second team out of it. And, uh, it's really intriguing. And the, you know, the guys are there the, as athletes, they're fabulous. I'm not too sold on the, the game itself, but I do like watching the, the skill, you know, you can yeah. just as pure athletes to the skill. So, um, how was your week? Wait, you get anything going on?
2: Uh, not a whole lot. Yeah. Just a fairly quiet week. Went and watched uh, the uh, Colorado Aval- avalanche game on uh, Monday with some friends and then, uh, actually was able to run by Walmart and find a couple of hanger packs of, uh, where was this? There we go. Joe, we went to Walmart over.
1: yesterday in North Reading, which is North Reading, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and literally they had nothing. Jeez. Nothing on the shelf. It's well, just, I was able to. Good. Go ahead. No, it's. No, what just, were you going to say? Yeah. It's discouraging. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Walmart in Arlington didn't really have a ton of stuff, but i was able to find a couple of hanger packs of uh, select draft picks football so i picked oh, nice. up a couple of those right there um nothing really great in there. best ones were uh, let's see here got a red parallel rookie card of jalen tolbert there from the cowboys and also one of desmond ritter who might be taking over the starting quarterback job in atlanta here soon we'll see if uh, see if he ends up on that and the one that i sent you and i said hey uh Drive down to Foxborough and tell Bill to play this guy a little bit more. Is the uh, autograph Pierre strong right there? So,
1: yeah, you know what? He's going to be a player. I, I hope you so. Know I mean, I, the the Patriots use a lot of running backs, and mm-hmm. he's 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 talented. I think it was that was I think that was a good pick for them. Um, you know, he's behind a couple guys right now, but the way the Patriots run through running backs no pun intended that he's going to get his shot.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the way that everyone's running through them nowadays. It seems. I mean, you've got. It used to be that you'd have, you know, your bell cow running back and then a backup and then your third down guy. And now you're seeing teams, you know, run two regular tailbacks instead of like a halfback fullback kind of combo sometimes in the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's good that we're kind of seeing a little bit of running back renaissance here. And hopefully that keeps up and hopefully start handing the ball to Pierre Strong there a bit there. Because I'd, yeah, I'd, the, I'd like things to turn into something. They're
1: never going to pay a running back. So when these right. young guys, their contracts are on their three or four years, they'll, they'll just let them go. I don't see them. Paying the guys, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember the last guy, you know, even all the way back to Curtis Martin, they let him go. They just, they just don't pay running backs. So it will be interesting. Well, we got a great show for you guys this week. A lot lot of card talk, a lot of uh, autograph talk. We uh, have uh, Ben Carher. He is a baseball card artist. And when I say baseball card artist, what he does is he takes cards. He has thousands and thousands of Sing, you know, uh, junk era cards just sitting there, and he cuts them up and makes a uh, collage of uh, iconic cards. He's done the 86 Flair, um, Michael Jordan, he did a 1960, Kalia Stremsky, did a 68, Nolan Ryan, and he, and he did 1980. Uh, uh, ricky henderson and he just they're just so cool so we're going to talk to ben about collecting because he is a collector and about how he he builds his car cards and and, and uh you know i know it's hard to talk uh, artists right to deal with artists on a on a podcast but Ben's pretty cool and you can check out his, his uh, website and, and see all his cool stuff. And then next week we're going to have a real, a real, really special guest that we've, we've been po- promoting this for a couple of weeks is Wilma Briggs. Wilma Briggs played on the all American girls baseball league. She was the second all time leading home run hitter in the league history. And I've got, uh, about 15 or 20 autographed cards of hers that I'm going to start, we're going to start giving away next week. Drew, I'll throw one in in an envelope for you as well. Um, So she, but we talked to her about her career and she played for um, Jimmy Fox and she played for Max Carey, who was a hall of famer. And uh, we talked to her about all sorts of stuff, but that's next week. Um, That'll be on uh, Friday after Thanksgiving. And we have all our regular segments Drew, for this week. We absolutely
2: do. We've got Baker's Dozen, where we'll talk about all the news from the hobby over the last week. Corner kicks with Clemente Lisi. Clemente is going to be joining us to talk some soccer collectibles and probably going to have him on every week here for a little bit while the World Cup is going on. Fast forward football, where Jeff and I make some really bad football picks, so uh, you can listen (laughs) to those and then do exactly the opposite of what we tell you. I'm going to talk to Andrew Raycroft, former goalie for a number of teams, including the Boston Bruins, I believe Toronto, and uh, Colorado as well. Yeah. Uh, We've got uh, Making the Grade, covering everything in the grading area of the hobby. Stamp for Approval, where we give our thumbs up to something from the previous week, whatever comes across our mind in that time. Vern Rap Minute, covering any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, politics, music, movies, whatever we got. And,
1: of course, the main reason why you're here, why we're here, our TTM returns. Yeah, cool thing about Clemente—he's going to join us probably every week, or maybe three out every four weeks uh, during the World Cup. I'm going to talk um, World Cup and watch how the stocks uh, look go up—you know, stock and the prices go up and down on players that have done well on the World Cup. But Clemente is heading out to Qatar for the World Cup, so we're going to actually talk to Clemente directly from Qatar. Which I'm I'm very excited about. <laughs> That'll be kind of cool. So uh, Clemente is a great addition to the show, and, and hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, guys, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, feedback. We love feedback. Uh, you know, Drew's cousins have these uh, tattooed. You know, they magneted it right on the refrigerator. They've got the number right on the refrigerator. But you, if you don't have it, just write it down. Nine seven eight seven two nine zero six six two. That's our text line. Nine seven eight seven two nine. 0662 we love to get texts we're, we're, we're big into texas text but we really love emails right drew why don't you give everyone the email address of course that is ttmcast at yahoo.com if you haven't learned i can't say the email address The drew drew has exclusive rights he bought he bought that last year so any anytime <laughs> i uh, the, the email said he has to say it so uh and he gets he gets a quarter every time he says it so why don't you earn yourself another quarter ttmcast at yahoo.com. It's
2: been the best investment I've ever made.
1: <laughs> he has naming rights. So thank you guys. Thank you, Drew. Professional as always. We are going to go right into Baker's Dozen coming up next.
0: Baker's Dozen sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com.
1: Fingers dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. Just a couple of things. I want to remind everyone to check out my weekly article on TTMing and autographs and sportscollectorsdaily.com. Usually posts like Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday morning. Uh, there's a new article every week. I I, I put up all my um, successes and then there's, I also put some show news up there as well. So if you want to check that out, make sure you read that sportscollectorsdaily.com every week. Uh, before we get into all the show stuff, why don't we let, uh, People know how they can get a copy of Clemente Lise's new book. It is called the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. It is available on Amazon and uh, you can check. There's a link on our website that you get 30 percent off Clemente's book. But we're going to give away a hard copy, a a copy of Clemente's book this week. And uh, we'll, we'll announce the winner next week. Drew, why don't you let people know how they can enter?
2: Of course, just you send your name and your mailing address to us, and we'll draw
1: a winner. You can send it to TTMcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, and the subject line just put "book a raffle" or "raffle entry" or something like that, just so I know. And uh, we'll we'll give a, a a copy of Clemente's book, and, and we'll remind everyone at the end of the show. But it's a really fun book. Um, if you know, it's really educational too. There's all sorts of stuff about basically every World Cup since it started in the history of the World Cup, and uh, you know, it's, it's a good, good um, entry for people that are going to start watch, watching the World Cup. And it gives you kind of a history of why things are happening and how, why people, t- uh, countries get paired and all the political unrest and the intrigue and, uh, it, uh, with FIFA. It's just a really great book. So I re- highly recommend it. But if you want to enter to win a copy of the book, all you have to do is send an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com look at that i owe him 75 cents already all right <laughs> auction news we got auction news true
2: we do indeed mile high auctions has some great stuff going on there right now you can check them out at milehighcardco.com the auction is going to end on december 1st but they've got a t206 set up for auction right now as well as a 1933 gaudi babe ruth card psa 8 the grade on that so a pretty high uh High grade right there for one of uh, the early Ruth cards right there. So once again, that's milehighcardco.com. You have until December 1st to put in your bids. If you have a couple uh, a couple million dollars just lying around, there are waiting to be spent.
1: Yeah, they had a lot of other stuff, though. It wasn't just, you know, they have some yeah. other approachable stuff to do. So check it out, milehighcardco.com. Uh, well, a couple, what do, what do we call these guys? Are these baseball pioneers, baseball legends? These you know, The two guys we're going to talk about next. What, what, what are they? best yeah, legends, royalty
2: think, yeah legends royalty anything like that i mean these
1: are the 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 icons of the uh, of the game yeah well ty cobb's rookie bat bat from its rookie season sold for one million dollars uh, on grand gray flannel auctions uh, this past week one million dollars to cobb's bat i don't know how they figured out it was his rookie bat i don't know the story behind it but still one million dollars for a piece of, of wood is incredible
2: also, uh, Babe Ruth with his glove going up for auction. Now, it was over at the Louisville Slugger Factory Museum auction. I mean, you'd think it would be the other way around that, you know, Louisville Slugger would be auctioning off the bats and Gray Flannel will be doing all the other stuff. But oh, Louisville Slugger Factory Museum got a Babe Ruth glove. Put that up for auction, $1.5 million right there. So yet again, another a very high price tag on that. But uh, yeah, not uh, not exactly unexpected, though, either.
1: Yeah, Ruth had given the glove to a kid in uh, what in the twenties, I believe, and the family held on to it. The kid obviously treasured it, and they held on to it. and They decided to sell it, so uh, it's pretty cool. One of these days, Joe, we have to win the lottery so we can buy some of this stuff, huh?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was hoping maybe that one point 9- nine billion powerball the other week might be mine but yeah no such luck there but
1: I'll tell you if we if I had hit you and I would have been having the best time at the national next year <laughs> yeah
2: I would just buy the national at that
1: point I mean yeah you know. that would have been fun well hey there's another this is the, these um Panini National Treasure cards these logo man cards which I don't really understand the appeal of them you know it just has the NBA logo or or, or the NHL logo and people love them but there's a Luka Doncic one of one rookie what do they call it? An rpa rookie patch autograph right
2: yeah yeah
1: um sold for 3.12 million dollars at a, a pwcc auction uh, i believe it, it was on uh, thursday so that, that it's just incredible do you like the logo man and do you see the the appeal to it like oh i want that logo you know i want the the logo with the guy it, it, I, i'm i'm missing something there i think they're kind of cool because it's it's like a one of a kind piece off of
2: jersey. you know that there's only one of those on each jersey. So it's like, you, you know that you're getting like the kind of elite piece of it right there. But it's just, I mean, they do so many things with so many different pieces of it too. So it's like, I, it is kind of cool to me. Like uh, one of the coolest ones I ever got when I got to do a pack out, they call it, when uh, you have to go into the packaging facility and there's some products where you have to pack them by hand, National Treasures being one of them. It doesn't get machine packed at all. But I got to do one for National Treasures Hockey several years ago back when this is like i think the last hockey set panini ever put out and i got to help with the pack out on it but uh one of the cards that was there was this one called treasure chest and it's this four fold card it's one of those ones that folds oh, out i love those and this one had the canadian flag off the laundry tag of like the entire what was it like 2014 canadian olympic team it had like every single little flag piece off of there embedded in the card it's like oh my god this is you know a card right here I'm holding in these white gloves to package up it's like lucky you whoever gets this one wow that's
1: that's so cool hey you know like stuff like that you know how you get the relic card and you know there's like a little sliver of a bat in there Mm -hmm. well I saw it I think it was on tiktok I saw it so somebody actually opened up one from some guy you know some scrub guy you know that they had that that they got a bat and they they weighed it and you know the way they took the little piece out of the bat and they weighed it and they figured that out of a regular, uh, major league bat, which is like a 32 or 34 ounce bat they get, um, they can make 7,100 cards out of that, out of one bat. Yeah. I believe it. Uh, now it's going to be a little bit less than that We're going to use some
2: pieces like the bat knob, for example, is going to take up more and that'll right or the, uh, the name plate off the bat or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you're probably going to be able to get at least yeah, maybe
1: five thousand pieces or so out of it. Yeah, it's it's just something you are all think about. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, we got a, a heritage, heritage had a, a, a couple options for Mickey mail cards.
2: Yeah, we had uh, one go at a is a PSA eight went at one point four seven million there at heritage auctions. So a nice price tag right there on that, and especially I mean for one that's not like among the. Uh, you know, the super high-end ones. And we saw, you know, a couple of nines over the last few weeks, but even an eight going for 1.47, very nice price on that. PSA 7, a step down from that, still, I'm sure, a very nice-looking card. Under half a million, so, I mean, uh, that's still a lot more money than I'm looking to spend on anything collectible there, but still, I mean, that's uh, definitely more affordable than, you know, the 10 million or whatever, as we saw in the one uh, over the summer there. So, yeah, 1.47 million and and 468,000 there for the eight and the seven, respectively.
1: Do you you know what I've been you know I follow this and you followed as well uh, I think're we're, we're kind of at the beginning of, of a little downturn right in terms of the prices and I think prices are starting to come down I think some of the newer collectors are are, are dropping off a little and that speculation money that had been out there is, is is drying up a little but I think it's good as a whole don't you think for the for for collectors like you and I
2: yeah I mean it's always a, something that's going to ebb and flow you're gonna see stuff. You're going to see the uh, the hot moments. You're going to see it cool off and everything. And it's those times, those cooling off periods that really helps somebody like me, who's, you know, a lower end collector. I might be able to get something there and grab it and sit on it for a while or something. But yeah, I mean, it's all about just, you know, know when it's uh, kind of follow the trends there and everything and
1: take advantage when the prices drop a little bit. I don't like when we have competition for the quarter and dollar boxes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I just like going in. Well, guys, we have the holidays coming up. We have uh kwanzaa and christmas and hanukkah they're all coming up and uh i saw that i saw this uh from our friends at lana sports lana sports obviously uh earns money through for dropping dimes.org there are the uh, memorabilia arm for droppingdimes.org and uh if you have a, a basketball fan that, that you are. Uh, are looking uh, looking to buy something for, or uh, you know, somebody that uh, a sports fan in general. These uh, they have uh, a line of signed ABA basketballs. The ABA basketballs are awesome, don't you think, Drew? Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with the uh, classic red, white, and blue ball that they had. I know, and they do it like in a silver um, signature. You know, it looks good. So they have a bunch of guys, ABA guys, that they're selling, and I just want to you know give them a little. Pub on this one. It's lanasports.com, uh for droppingdimes.org and the guys they have they have uh, are available on the site now. Uh, Rick Barry goes for two hundred thirty dollars. George McGinnis is two hundred dollars. Jim Aikens is one hundred nineteen dollars. Larry Jones is $120 and not Darnell Hillman who we've had on the show is $150. Um, if you're thinking about buying one of these, I'd watch it because they always have specials going on. And I bet if you, if you're looking to get multiples, you know, you want to get a couple of these, I bet they can do something for you, but check it out. All the money goes to help out former ABA players that are not covered in under the NBA pension. So um, check it out. Lana sports autographed ABA balls. It's really cool. Uh, bad news for the TTMers
2: out there. We've got a, uh, got news from the U.S. Postal Service. The price of stamps will be going up in January. Right now paying $0.60 cents a stamp, so it's about $60 for a roll of them. It's going to be going up to $0.63. Cents. So if you want to save yourself 3 bucks, make sure you buy yourself a roll of stamps before January 22nd when that price goes up.
1: We have some show news to report. First, I, I got an email from uh Russell Savage, who we had on the, the show uh last week, or two weeks ago. He was the he he ran the show at Virginia Beach and he said he had a great show. He's sending us some presents, quote unquote, that we'll be giving away to listeners. So we'll watch for that? I want to congratulate Russell on a great show. Hopefully you went uh, attended. There's some really big shows coming up. Uh the Philly show is is one that Drew and I uh really have oh, you know, before we get to the village Philly show, I talked to Sal, Barry. About oh, yeah. the the show in Toronto, we went up to Toronto for that show, and uh, Drew. One of these days, we got to go to Toronto. It's just a, it's just a great, it, it's just a great show. All the hockey stuff. We can get all cool peachy stuff up there, and oh yeah, you, you and I got to
2: make a trip up to Toronto for that show. Absolutely. I mean, hey, my passport is waiting right here. It needs some more stamps in it. So uh, yeah, we definitely need to look into that one. Yeah, I, I bet we
1: can do it on the cheap. We'll definitely. have to see. I mean- okay. Back to show news. Sorry, I'm running a little tangent this today. A lot of stuff popping in my head. Uh, we have the Philly Show. It's December 2nd through the 4th. I believe uh, our friend Les Wolf will be there. He's, I think he's going to be exhibiting there. It's phillyshow.com. There's all sorts of guys signing, including Wade Boggs, Michael Vick, Blatty Sr., uh, Keith Byers, all sorts of guys. Tons of um, Flyers and Eagles that, that are going to be there. So make sure you check it out. Go to phillyshow.com.
2: A little bit further south of Philly, down in Nashville, they're going to have a show that same weekend, the Nashville Sports Spectacular. That's a December 2nd through the 4th. Nashville Fairgrounds will be the place hosting that. And we've got some big names signing there as well. Dennis Rodman is going to be making an appearance there. We've got Dale Murphy, Terrell Suggs, and Pac Man Jones all signing at that show. So if you're down in the southeast there, Nashville Fairgrounds, December 2nd through the 4th.
1: Yeah, Nashville is a great city. I don't know if you've been, it's a, it's a really fun city. Uh, the, lastly, there's a show in. Uh, Maryville, Indiana. It's called the DA Regional Sports Card Show. It's December 10th and 11th, and they're gonna have Chelios. I don't think I've seen. I don't think I have a Chelios autograph. Do you have Chelios? I do. He was uh, signing by mail for a while. For a long time in
2: his career, he would not sign cards at all. It would only, yeah, be, you know, like- photos, pucks, and jerseys. But after a while, he finally started signing by mail again and uh, started signing cards willingly. So I've gotten him uh, through
1: there. Very cool. So Chelios will be there. Bob Lilly, who we've had on the show, is gonna be there. Spud Webb from uh he played for a couple teams the hornets right and i think the atlanta hawks um, hawks and kings are the two biggest ones i can think yeah, of, yeah. and then if, uh, oil Cam who pitched for for the red Sox, uh, and he pitched in the 86 season that they they lost the mets but he's he's a, a great signer so a lot of guys if you go in your, the maryville indiana area december 10th 11th check out the da regional sports collectibles show well, Drew, that wraps up all the shows. Let's talk about new releases. A lot of new releases. People, the uh, manufacturers are releasing a bunch of stuff ahead of um, Christmas and the holiday season, I think. And there's all, you know, we're we're in. Uh, all all the sports are up and running, and there's everyone's. There's all sorts of new releases. Uh, this one was kind of cool, and we talked to uh, we talked to Clemente Alisi about it. But it's the 2002 Panini Prism World Cup. Um, hobby boxes there's 12 packs in the box 12 cards per pack the six silver prism and all sorts of other, uh, different inserts that you can get including uh, some autographs and the hobby box for panini prism 2022 uh, world cup goes for 430 dollars uh, panini's coming out with
2: mosaic baseball here as well 15 packs with 10 cards per pack in those boxes so 150 cards out of those pretty nice right there We could sell five silver prisms, two mosaic reds, and three autographs in there. So very nice uh, grouping right there for $130.
1: Yeah, I like the mosaic line. I I, I think I like the mosaic line better than the the prism line, but I I do like the mosaic. I also like the select too, but I can never tell the difference between the levels. You know how they have the different levels? I I never can tell which one, which tier it is.
2: Yeah, I always have to go on and uh, like look it up online everything. That was, I mean, I was doing a lot of stuff with the uh, 2018 prism world cup set and trying to sit there and go okay well which of these what's what's laser what's mojo what's this what's that it's like i had to had to go and look those up so yeah that's that's the that's the only complaint i really have there is like what's what and what's the print run on some of those things but other than that yeah i definitely
1: like them yeah, they're look-wise, they're cool. I just can't tell the difference. I don't know. Well, Topps has issued – this is a, a new one for them. I don't think they've done this in a little while. The Topps mini set for 2022 baseball, uh, it's 990 cards in the set. Basically, they took all the cards from each of their three sets it made many versions of them. You can get a hobby box for only 25 dollars. you get 35 cards, two inserts, and three parallels. They're only available on tops.com. so I checked uh, yesterday actually, and they saw, still are available. You can get it for a, a, a hobby box for 25 bucks. not a bad deal.
2: Got a new one coming out here from Tops just uh, dropped this past week. The Tops Cosmic Chrome baseball card set. I have not seen these at all. Is this uh, one for the kids? this one for the kids you think? <laughs> possibly it might be yeah for the kids or for the uh kind of the uh kind of trendy collector i guess out there but interesting to see them though still you get a uh, 20 packs per box four cards per pack you get a 200 card set right there and you'll be getting what 80 cards out of that box so it's pretty decent right there uh just came out this past week it's gonna be
1: running about 230 to 240 for a box of that and this one drew i don't i'm, I'm surprised you just don't go and buy the set i'm talking the 2000 uh, 22 tops Allen and Ginter baseball uh, released the other day. There's eight cards per pack, 24 cards, uh, packs per box. It goes for $115. But the thing that Drew likes is, it has all these kind of weirdo cards, right? The guys yeah. that the, you know, I said, I've seen on Twitter people that they featured has a card and a couple of them, I said, you know, they're Oh, Oh, you know, will you, will you sign it? If we, uh, if we get the card and most of them make like, sure. So um, it is really cool. Uh, you know they have a lot of olympians in there and other secondary sports right we call them secondary sports yeah, yeah. so and even kind of even cool.
2: non-sports ones like they had uh some of them are like you know people that are associated with baseball but not necessarily baseball players like one that i just sent out the other week is this guy hugo Tandron, also known as juice who is the team barber for the florida marlins and i mean a lot of other players around the league whenever they come into miami will get their hair done by him
1: as well and they gave him a card, so I mailed that off. So, I know we need the TTM cast card included in there, right? You and I, yes, absolutely. That that'd be so cool. Well, you guys have to get 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 on get on Topps radar and say, "Hey, I want we want the TTM cast card
2: with, with Jeff and Drew." You know, a few years ago they did an auto, they, they only did an autograph version; it wasn't a regular one, just an autograph one of uh, Suze over at uh, CSG. Yeah, so she's got a card out
1: there, but it was like, I know, I'm so jealous. Hey,
2: what's up? Can, can can we can we get one too, guys? No, but
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Well, there's a couple of new releases coming out next week. We'd like you know about this. Another one of Drew's favorites is 2022 Top Heritage Minor League set. There's 18 packs in the box, eight cards per pack. You get two auto. There's 200 cards in the base set. It's only 70 bucks for for a a hobby box, which is pretty good, Drew. That's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, that's
2: about what I paid for uh, when I bought some 2019 boxes, I think. So, yeah, definitely a suitable price
1: there. And then I, one, I just stole yours. So go ahead. You take it. Yeah, we'll switch the- it up. All <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Last one. We've got the uh, Topps Gilded Collection Baseball. You get one pack of five cards. Sounds like some cool stuff in there, though. You get one gold frame auto and one gold frame rookie auto in each of those five card packs. So uh, some cool sounding stuff right there. $450
1: is the price tag on that one. All right. Behind the scenes stuff, guys. Drew, so Drew and I, we, we were obviously working off a show outline and uh, we have it all. Planned out this is what you do, Jeff. This is what you do, Drew. So I just stole Drew's Drew was so Drew was supposed, <laughs> Drew was yeah. supposed to do the 2022 tops Heritage, but like the professional he is, he jumped right in. Definitely. Well, guys, that wraps up Baker's dozen. We had a lot of talk about. Um, next up, we're gonna have uh corner kicks with our friend Clemente Lisi. Um, why don't you let people know uh about Clemente's book and how they can enter to win a copy of it?
2: Of course, uh, the name of the book is the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. Just came out uh, maybe, what, a couple months ago or so. Yeah, it was October
3: just...
2: yeah. 14th, or about there. Yeah, so about a month ago or so that came out. But uh, Clint has talked about it here on the show before. Jeff and I each have a copy. And if you want a copy of your own, just uh, we're going to draw a winner at some point here in the next week. Just send your name, your mailing address to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Put like book drawing or something like that, just so we know that that's what it is in the subject line, and maybe you'll be our lucky winner.
1: Right. You know what? I bet uh, if you win it and you want to get Clemente's to sign it, um, we'll we'll, have, we'll probably have him sign it to sign it for you. So just uh, if you know, enter. But please, uh, here's a, an interview I had. I, I talked to Clemente the other day uh, about what's going on in the World Cup. We also talked about the Prism uh, World Cup hobby stuff and uh, he's really knowledgeable he knows more about this stuff than anyone so please enjoy my interview with uh, clemente Lise. and now it's time for corner kicks with clemente elise introducing
0: drip shop live a live online marketplace of sports cards and products from your favorite sellers discover giveaways auctions breaks personal boxes singles and more right from your phone or desktop. On Drip Shop Live, you'll find hundreds of sellers live all the time. Give Drip Shop Live a try. For a limited time, save $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more. Try finding another break or card box that's that affordable. And shipping is always free on Drip Shop Live. Go to dripshop.live invite TTM or find the link in our description to get this exclusive offer.
3: Goal!
1: Hey guys! It's like Christmas Eve for my friend here, four years, and we're on Christmas Eve. I'm talking about, of course, the World Cup, and we're joined by Clemente Lice, who is a collector, he is a soccer expert, and he is an author. We're going to talk to him about his book, we're going to talk to him about the World Cup, we're going to talk to him about some World Cup-related collectible stuff. Welcome, Clemente. Uh, thanks for having me. So do you feel like it's Chris- Christmas Eve here, my friend, after four yeah. years?
5: Totally. It, you know, like, you know, there's all those countdowns, you know, 200 days to go, 100 days to go, 30 days to go, 10 days. And now here we are. Right. So it's it doesn't feel real because it is happening in November, which is really unusual. But in which a lot of soccer fans hate. But you know what? It's here and everyone's excited about it. So that's the good thing.
1: Yeah. you I mean, you've gotten me excited. I'm looking forward to some great matches. And uh, I know there's uh, there's uh, you know, there's some controversy in the US roster final US roster. Right. What did you know what have we seen leading up to the, the, the cup that's that's starting this weekend and what were some surprises and bunch much of comment on the US they they put in some young kids right?
5: Yeah so the United States start let's we'll start with the US the US is fielding its second youngest team ever in World Cup history. The youngest was back in 1990 when they were really a bunch of college students. The average age I think of this team is about 23 24 years old which is good it bodes well the fact that in four years, uh, you know, we'll be hosting the World Cup. Um, But, you know, we we matured as a soccer country because there's some players that didn't make the roster that actually became controversial. And there were lots of people on Twitter this past week and a half arguing over this. And and, the biggest exclusion was Zach Steffen, who was really the starting goalkeeper for much of the qualifying campaign. He wasn't called up. And instead, they're going to be starting Matt Turner, who plays. Uh, his uh, club team is Arsenal in England. So for those of who like the Premier League, they know Matt Turner. He played for the New England Revolution last season in MLS.
1: Yeah, uh, that's why I knew the name.
5: Yeah, Sal Goalkeeper. You know, this past summer, I went to see Arsenal play Everton in a friendly at in Baltimore, and he started. And it was, you know, fun to see him. And I said to my daughter, I think he's going to end up being the starter. So it was cool that we saw him. Another player that left off the team was a, a 20-year-old named Ricardo Pepe. He's supposed to be sort of the next big thing. But, you know, on a team of so many young stars... There's just so many people you can bring. The fact that the United States can bring 26 players, and the fact that they have they could have brought 30 or, or 40 players, which tells you a little bit about how deep the pool is, which is really great. Um, of course, the players to watch for and, and also to collect, uh, you know, are Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Gio Reyna. These are all guys that are really young and have had their rookie cards come on the last three four years. So they're still attainable. I, I, I suspect that as the U.S. plays and it's build up to it, that you'll see prices go up, obviously. So if you haven't picked those up yet or picked up any parallels or autographs, I start thinking about that, you know, immediately. So,
1: yeah, I mean, we're going to we're going to see kind of a, the, the spikes right in the next couple of weeks as the guys, the, the games start playing and guys start scoring goals and, and making saves and, and and getting wins. Right.
5: Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing. We we were saying that back in the summer. That's how long you and I've been talking about this. And, you know, the economy was a little bit better than, I think, I think that this, this month of soccer will buck the trend. I mean, and the trend is anecdotal, of course. I mean, we are in a recession, but I, when I do go to Walgreens or Walmart or Target, I see a lot of stuff on the shelves. So people are not gobbling it up; they're not flipping it like they were during the pandemic. But that doesn't mean that you know if you're a collector and you and you, you know you don't care about values, then you know that's not a problem. Um, but I do think this month will be an exception. That prices will go up and down. We we did kind of compare it to day trading or stock market. Um, I do think a, a good chance to buy and sell is right now on the eve of it because the truth is the players that you think might do well might tank so if you're selling you might get a high price for something it's just a matter of you know guessing who's going to do well who's not going to do well i mean they're going to be some players that are going to be under the spotlight like a leo messi or neymar for brazil or Kylian mbappe for france those cards are already very expensive they're already you know these are these are established stars but if you can sort of pick out some of the rookies particularly on the u.s team and on the other teams You know, especially if you pick up the Panini Prism World Cup set, which came out recently, um, and you collect that, then maybe you'll see values go up and down and maybe you can buy and sell at the right moment. Um, I mean, the World Cup final is December 18th. It's a long four week period of ups and downs, but it'll be fun to watch it go up and down on an almost daily basis. So I, I would keep a close eye on eBay and other online sites, because that's where the, the, the real work is going to happen. And then at any card shows during this month too, you'll see a lot more soccer. I've seen a lot more soccer at shows in the last few months because of that.
1: Was there anyone else left on off the roster on any international teams that you were expecting to uh, be on it?
5: Yeah. There's a player uh, named Firmino who was left off the Brazil team. Of course, you know, Brazil can field two teams at the World <laughs> yeah. Cup. Um, he was like the big exception. The other really big exceptions were players who were injured in the lead up to the world cup because the world cup usually is played in June. It's the end of the club season in Europe. So players usually are on the mend Instead, here, you had players playing in September, October, they were playing up until last week. And so Paul Pogba and Golo Kanté, these are two French stars. They were injured in the lead up to the tournament and they didn't get called up because they can't play. Um, Senegal called up a player named Sadio Mane. If you know who he is, he played for Liverpool uh, and he plays for Bayern Munich. Now in Germany, he's injured. But the doctors think he might be able to come back in two weeks. So Senegal was like, we're, we're taking him with us. And maybe he'll be on the mend by the third game of the group stage. And maybe we'll get out of the group stage. So some teams are sort of trying to figure out, you know, they brought some injured players thinking if they if they are on the mend during the tournament, it's still better than leaving them at home. Because at, the rosters work kind of like in the postseason, the playoffs, yep. or, um, the NFL or the NHL. Once you have your postseason roster, you can't go out and, and get other players. So the 26 you bring with you, that's the players you have. And so I think, uh, you know, so I'll be curious to see what teams do to get around the fact that some players are injured. The other positive is that players are going to be in in great midseason form. And we never see that at the World Cup. So in that sense, we may see some really, really exciting games.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, Clemente has written a new book. It's called the FIFA World Cup. It's a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Now You can check out our website, ttmcast.com. Click on the link and you can save 30%. There's a 30% code, code there. We're going to give away a copy of the his book. He sent us a nice book copy of the book, so we're going to give one of those away. But in terms of, uh, you know, reading the book, Clemente, it, it's really interesting on how that they determine who to invite to the World Cup and how they see them. Maybe maybe you can just let people know, you know, how we're starting the World Cup and People wonder, well, why does why did U.S. get seated here, and why did England get seated here, and why did why did Russia decide not to come? And you know, is there any countries that decided not to come or, or weren't invited? And uh, how 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 did the seating play out?
5: Yeah, let's start with the with the last question because it's the most politically loaded one, which is you know Russia um, didn't decide not to come. The Russians made the playoff to potentially make the finals, and they hosted four years ago, and the host automatically makes it so russia was in contention to qualify and they might had a good chance to do it but because of the war in ukraine fifa decided to ban them and so they were they were done um and so they were left out they were excluded as a result of what the political situation in europe so that's that's a little different the way that CETA teams work and the way they've been working for the past about the last few editions of the world cup is that um fifa has a monthly ranking kind of like the college coaches, Paul, the AP does, sure. or something like ATP tennis tour have a ranking. So teams are ranked based on their last few performances. It is a murky process. The FIFA rankings came out in 1993 for many years. They meant nothing, but they do mean something because the final ranking ahead of the world cup draw, which took place back in spring, those are the, the top eight teams. Or, well, the top seven teams are the teams that are seated in each group, including Qatar, which is the host, which means the top seven teams, top eight teams in the world can't meet in the group stage that's right. intentional because you don't want to have a group with brazil and germany in it in the first round because then you have the possibility of one of them getting knocked out early so they try to spread the wealth um it does happen that a group gets really competitive because there are a couple of teams in there that are really good um so what they do is they do four pots in the u.s i think ended up in either pot two or three and so they ended up in the group of group b with england with wales and with iran which if you look at it, is a pretty well-balanced group. I mean, I think England will win that group. But everyone, the U.S., Iran, and Wales, all those teams think they can finish second. And they can. The fight is for second place, unless England implodes.
1: Right,
3: so States, Which is think,
1: possible, right? These
3: guys,
5: it possible. happens. It happens. And sometimes, you know... It does happen that a top team or even a defending World Cup champion doesn't get out of the group four years later. You know, four years in soccer is like four years in politics. It's a lifetime. And so it's different players, sometimes a different manager. So it's not like a a, a, a season where it's every year. Four years is a big gap. So France could be a lot worse this time around. They won it four years ago. We don't know that. So we'll see. So, you know, the race will be toward, you know, everybody might lose against England. But the games to watch is U.S. Wales, which is on Monday. And then US Iran, which is the final group stage match. And the final match is always the group stage is always key because that's where you may need the points. You may need a draw, you may may need to win that game. You may need to scoreboard watch. So that final, because the two, the two games in each group stage in the final match day are played simultaneously to avoid gamesmanship. And so then you're looking at, you know, sometimes you're watching two games at once to see yeah. oh, they're drawing over there. We need we need we just need to draw here, you know, or we need to win. You know, that happened in 2010. The U.S. needed to win, and Landon Donovan scored an amazing goal in stoppage time to beat Algeria, and it was very exciting. I always tell people, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just I'll just type into YouTube, Landon Donovan, Algeria goal, and, <laughs> and watch him score that goal, and with like the, no time left, and the U.S. won the group, and they won the group with a group that included England. So they played England in 2010 at the World Cup, and the game ended 1-1. The U.S. is a lot more competitive, Six of the players in the U.S. team actually play in the Premier League or play in England. So these people know each other. You know, it's going to be interesting to see um, England, U.S., which is on Black Friday. So um, Americans will be glued to their TVs. I I, I predicted that that will be probably the highest rated soccer game in, in American history.
1: Well, we're looking forward to it. How is the book doing? And of course, I mentioned the book, your book, it's the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting events is available on Amazon and um all sorts of other places where books are sold. How's the book been doing? Have you been, been doing any signings or anything?
5: Yeah, the book is great. I've been doing a lot of promotion for it, lots of podcasts and TV. Of course, I was on yours way earlier than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> you were ahead of the you were ahead of the curve. Um it reached 46 in the latest Amazon soccer books, which is great. Congratulations. It's like 20 or 30 new soccer books out there. So I'm competing with a lot of new stuff too, including Christian Polsic, who wrote a, uh, an autobiography. So um, so it's nice to be in that, in that club. Um, yeah, I've done some signings in New York and it's been a lot of fun and people are really excited. And it's funny because... You work in obscurity almost for two or three years on a, on a book project and, and no one's paying any mind. And it's a very lonely thing to write a book. And then when it comes out, everyone's so excited about it. It's actually kind of nice. So,
1: well, I, it's a really fun book in terms of uh, it, it's a great history book for me in terms. Of, I don't know a lot about the history of the World Cup. So I, I really learned a lot. And I think there there were so many um, controversies and point high points and low points in the World Cup that you could really do, dig deeper into some of those you know some of them i'm just like i wonder i want to learn more about this and and you know you have you have to uh, handle the whole history of the world cup
3: so (laughs) wanting
1: more.
5: absolutely there's a lot of you know superstars like pele and maradona in the book but there's also a lot of unsavory characters like dictators and fifa officials as you've probably read so it you know you're right each chapter could have been a, a different book or even just one paragraph in one chapter could be its own book um so that you know so that that's true um, but I did have a, a good time writing it and reporting on it. And, and I've been to the last three World Cups. I'll be in Qatar for the final week, for the final four, I call it, you know, the semifinals, the final, yeah. which is where, you know, that's where the, all the eyeballs will be. Uh, you know, that last game, you know, um, four years ago, France-Croatia final was uh, a billion people watch that on TV or streaming, which is pretty spectacular to think about. You know, we, we think the Super Bowl is a big, a big deal when you have 300 million people watching it. This is even larger when talking about basically half the planet. Are you going
1: to have media access and be able to interview some of the players or it's just really Yeah, that's
5: that's my goal to to do some reporting out there and and have press credentials and then, you know, go in and around and Qatar is a much smaller country. All the venues are really tight together. So it won't be a lot of traveling like I did in Russia where I had to go from Moscow to St. Petersburg. And it was like a, you know, hours long train ride or fly across the or fly across the country in South Africa or something. So this is nice. It's very compact, almost like an Olympics where you basically have it in one city. Um, And that's sort of the appeal, you know, that fans can go, especially in the first round, you can go up to two or three games in one day, which is pretty extraordinary. You can see two games in one day if you're going to the first round, for example, if you're if you're in Qatar already. Um, And I was watching video recently. Lots of Americans are on their way there. A lot of Mexican fans are there already. I mean, you know, people save up money to go. You know, they skip vacations for four years and they make it a point to go to a World Cup every four years, which is an extraordinary thing if you can do it.
1: Well, hopefully you'll be able to check in from Qatar. That'd be, that'd be really cool. And, and I think it, it, and I, I hope you. it's a great World Cup and there's a lot of drama and not, not much uh, politics in it. You know, it's hard to separate sports and politics sometimes, especially on the international stage. Right. But hopefully it, we don't have to deal with that. And it's really, I know, uh, you know, just from reading your book, Picking the Referees, like who's going to referee the matches and right. just stuff like that that you don't even think about uh, comes into play sometimes
5: absolutely you know but the world cup is so high stakes because people put so much national pride into it and there's so much passion around it that that all these controversies controversies get elevated to a higher level than they normally would for example than you know that they wouldn't an american sport or if you know a team lost last sunday or whatever it is because it's global a lot of people are watching and i do think that 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 is the appeal because you know sports the great thing about sports is arguing about stuff but also you know just the excitement and drama and you know i don't remember ever Seeing a World Cup and going, oh, this is a boring World Cup. I mean, there's always storylines, there's always drama, there's always new yeah. characters. You know, what will Cristiano Ronaldo do? You know, what will Leonel Messi do? Well, you know, will will the favorites underperform? Will Will there be teams like Denmark, who I think will overachieve potentially and be like a dark horse, a Cinderella team? It's always fun.
1: That's what's going to ask you if there's a Cameroon this year. Is, is there a Cinderella team? Is, is Denmark yeah. the team?
5: Yeah, I, I, Denmark is my my dark horse. They got to the semifinals of the Euros. uh, last year they also um had an incident with a player christian erickson who had a heart attack on the field maybe you recall that and they had to revive him and then he had to be sidelined and now now he's back after a year um so it's a feel-good story at the same time as this being a very talented team um but the african teams can also you you say cameroon which is always the sort of the the the, the high bar for a cinderella team um Cameroon seems to pull it out every once in a while i think a team like senegal could be that that team from africa that's like oh wow like they got a lot of flash and panache and they're really fun to watch. And people jump on that bandwagon really quick because, you know, once your team is eliminated, you just want to see fun and you want to see people want to see upsets. You
3: know,
5: as much as they love the Argentinas and Brazils of the world, they also like the seven and Denmark's because that happened four years ago. Croatia got to the final, which was a total shock and they lost, but they were, you know, they, they went on a brilliant run. And it was fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, let's talk a little collectibles. Uh, you know, how are you doing on the sticker set? Have
3: you been? Yeah, doing, uh, so I'm about stickers.
5: Yeah, I'm about a hundred to go. And you know, a lot of my duplicates I've been able to trade or sell. But my daughter wants to start her own album, so I'm going to give her all my duplicates. So she's going to start doing that during the tournament. She, you know, like me, she was buying stickers early, and then we took a big pause. She's like, I kind of want to do it during the tournament. And I get that, you know, like yeah. it's more fun during the World Cup to. To peel the stickers and watch the games, and so we're gonna really go gung ho again. My dad just came from Italy; He was there on vacation. He bought me a box, so I'll have another box now from somewhere else, which should be nice. Interesting to see what what's in that in that box. A lot of base set, which is fine because that's why I put in the book. And then the extras I've been selling or trading, and there's a lot of online forums for that. And I, you know, people, the diehards have been into it for months now because they've been out for a while. But I think a lot of people who just weren't paying attention are gonna are going to buy them. I went to Walgreens earlier this week and they were restocked with stickers and book albums and i went to see the u.s play germany the women's team here in new york uh, last weekend and they were giving out sticker books there you know so there's excitement around the album for sure um but i'm about 100 to go for my book so i think i'll be able to finish it hopefully in the next month
1: good luck fingers crossed now panini has the new 2022 panini prism for World Cup, Qatar, uh, Hobby boxes out. They go for about $430. Uh, there's 12 cards per pack, 12 packs per box. You can get an autograph, number cards, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Have you gotten a box yet?
5: Yeah, so this, you know, so I went to the Panini website a few weeks back, and I saw that there was a countdown, you know, the countdown clock. So I put a reminder in my phone, you know, I was like, I have to get this as soon as it's, it goes to, you know, quadruple zeros, I'm, I'm buying it. Um, and for $430, I got a box. And by the way, at $430, that's not a bad price considering that on the secondary market, these boxes could go for even $1,000. You know, the ones from four years ago and eight years ago go for that much with the promise yeah. of maybe getting a good card in it. Of course, I then went on the website later that night and I went and I've been back a couple of times and it's not sold out, which tells me two things. Well, it tells me one thing really, which is they printed a lot of this stuff which I'm fine with because I want base. I want the 300 base cards, which will take me more than one box. So my goal is to buy a box, rip it during, you know, the opening game on Sunday when Qatar takes on Ecuador, open it there with my kids. And then, you know, whatever parallels I get, you know, uh, autographs, you know, every box has one autograph. That's all gravy for me. Um, I want the base set. I have the last two Prism World Cup base sets. And then the goal is to try to go to quarter boxes, dollar boxes over the next you know, a few weeks and, and get the, those base cards, look on eBay for lots. And, you know, it, it may take, it took me, um, in 2014, I bought someone had put the base set together and I bought the base set from somebody on eBay. But 2018, it took me a few years to get there. But that's the fun part. Um, and these cards go up and down in value. Some of them might be a quarter, some of them it might be 5 or $10. You know, some of these rookies that are in a grade of 10 could be worth more than that. It just depends on who does well. So, you know, for $420, it's good. The other thing I recommend is blasters are coming out really soon this weekend. Okay, good. They're $37. If they follow the same form as basketball and baseball and football, there'll be lots of it on the shelves too. And I'd pick up a few blasters. That's my goal in the next few weeks is if I I go to Target or Walgreens, I pick up a blaster. For $37, it's a little pricey, but they promise parallels in them. And that's really where the the numbered cards are where – the value is. And and I think there's like about 24 different parallels in the set. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of numbered cards, a lot of different sparkling stuff. The other thing that people are looking for in this set is the 32 teams have team badges. People are looking for those too. I think they're part of the base set, but they're looking for even parallels of, of the badges. And for example, if you get a parallel of, of Argentina and they win the world cup, but just the badge, that's pretty cool. That's people are going to want that, especially fans of those particular countries i know uh i have a friend of mine who's a big mexico fan and he collects mexico cards so he's looking for any kind of mexico card on the set any mexico parallel autograph so there's always something for somebody which is great because that's how you trade and that's how you get that's how i'm able to build my base set anyway did you have you busted open a box yet or no no i haven't it's been sitting i got it a few days ago it's almost a week i have it in my possession it's taken all the will not to just rip it I know. I (laughs) I
1: don't know how you do it.
5: But I said to my daughter, look, look, we're going to do it during the World Cup. Maybe we'll do it during the opener. Maybe we'll do it Monday when the U.S. plays Wales. It'll be fun to do it right before the game or halftime. Just to, you know, I think the collecting and the watching together is fun. It's like when you, you know, it's like when you open Topps Update Baseball during the playoffs or during the World Series. I do that too sometimes. It's just a lot of fun.
1: All right, pal. Well, we'll, we will touch base with you next week, I hope. We'll have a, a week's worth of games to talk about. I'm talking, of course, with Clemente Lisi. Clemente has written a new book. Check it out. It's the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. We're going to give away a copy. All you have to do is email me at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Put in FIFA or World Cup in the subject line, and we're going to give away one of uh, Clemente's books. It's a a great book. I've read most of it. It It's a uh, great book. Refresher in history of the World Cup, things that I I never knew about and You can tell there's so much work done in a, uh on the book. It's a really uh, interesting book to read. So Clemente, thank you for that. Um, you know, congratulations. <laughs> we got World Cup to talk about. It's yeah, it's no, pretty it's,
5: exciting. It's great. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to talk about the World Cup as it's as, as it's coming, but talk about games played, what's actually happening, who's up, who's down. That'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to. It.
1: Yeah, hopefully there's not too many red cards. No one gets hurt. And there's not some some crazy controversy, and we just have to worry about the sport. You know, the, what have, make the game speak for themselves.
5: Absolutely, yeah. That's my hope as well.
1: All right, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much, and, and uh, enjoy the games this week. Thank you. Drew, it's it's so nice when we have uh, we've made friends with, with Clemente, you guys like Clemente and Les. I think they add so much to the show. It doesn't just become you you and I babbling about our bad foot football picks, and you get some real <laughs> expert uh, feedback and, and views on stuff. And Clemente is a, a really good guy, and he knows. Uh, soccer but he also knows hockey so we might we might talk to him a little about hockey too no not not to shade our pal Sal because Sal is the man in hockey but
2: I know Clemente's actually done some writing for us Sal's website so I'm sure uh, Sal would totally be good with
1: that so yeah he's a good guy so thank you Clemente Clemente will will be with us next week and as I said earlier we're going to try to have him just about every week during the World Cup um, to get his feedback on what's happening on the field and also how it affects uh, collectibles and hobbies so uh, let us let us know what you think about uh, Clemente's addition to the show. Well, that wraps up Baker Susson, wraps up Clemente uh, Corner Kicks. Next up, Drew, is? That'd be fast-forward football. Time to hit that button. Fast-forward football, guys. Drew and I are making our picks right now. Hit fast-forward right now. I think we should start calling it super-fast-forward football, the way our, our picks have been going lately. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. Drew and I went off of a horrible one and four last week we both went one and four so the standings right now lead that I have three wins Drew has five wins and we've got two ties and uh you know we're not going to shoot this segment and put it out of his misery because uh, we're gonna one of these weeks we're gonna go five and oh Drew I promise one of these two weeks we're gonna go five and oh. so, I hope so. I, why don't you you're gonna pick this week are you gonna you're gonna do your, your flips
2: I have got, I've got my random number generator up on my phone here. So it's either going to give me one or two on each of these picks.
1: Okay. So we have the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. I think Drew is like one in eight in Patriots games this year. Yeah. Um, and the Patriots are giving three at home. It's going to be a nice day in Foxborough. I don't think we're looking at any inclement weather here. So what do you think? Jets at Patriots, who do you like?
2: All right. The number is telling me one. That is the Jets then are, uh, are my pick then. I was everybody. So everybody picked the Patriots then because that's uh, I can't do these. ones.
1: <laughs> I'm going to take the Pats, but yeah. I was going to take the, the Jets because I think Jets are going to be a little pissed off on about the last game time they played. It's hard to beat a team in your division twice. Um, the Patriots are coming off a of bye week, which they usually do very well on off the bye week. So but I'm going to go. I'll go with the Patriots. OK, we have the L.A. Rams, the most disappointing team uh, in the NFL, don't you think? Yeah. Behind your your Browns, right? I think that their Browns are one or two. Um, so we have the Rams at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are giving three points. Um, this one, you know what? I think uh, Matthew Stafford is back this week. I know Cooper Cup got hurt. So that they're going to be without Cooper Cup. I just, I'm going to take the Rams. I just, I don't know. I'm going to take the Rams.
2: What do you like, Drew? The random number generator has given me two. So I got to go with the Saints.
1: All right, next up, your Cleveland Browns at Buffalo Bills, but they're going to be in Detroit because there's a uh, three feet of snow in Buffalo. Did you Have you seen some uh, video from Buffalo?
2: I've seen a couple pictures there, and, yeah, it is just piled up, and I'm just like, come on, play through it. I mean, having that to slow the Bills' offense down is the only chance the Browns have. I mean – now, we, now it's going into a dome with uh, with uh, Josh Allen getting to throw in there. It's like, oh, OK, that's that's not good for us. I know it's not good at all.
1: Uh, but but I, we used to go um, with friends of mine. We used to we went for like six or seven years. We'd go up to Buffalo to see the Patriots play up in, in Buffalo. And we went one year. It was probably the beginning to mid-October. And it was probably 60 degrees here in New England when we left. We get to get into Buffalo. It's just kind of that you know you know when it, you can feel like it's gonna snow. it's just cold and mm-hmm. it's it's hazy. We get into Buffalo that night they had like a foot of snow. Yep. Like, it was so gross. It was fun to watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, Buffalo is Buffalo is just a weird place. To, and know it's funny the, the people that I have met from Buffalo are awesome. Like yeah, we yeah. go up to Buffalo, the, the, when we used to go up to the games, we always had fun with the guys. The guys that I've met that are Buffalo uh, guys are all great, but I don't know how you guys live in that godforsaken place. But anyway, so we have the Browns at the Bills. The Bills are giving nine and a half points. Drew, who do you like? All right. The number generator has told me two.
2: That's the Bills.
3: Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a uh, crashing I think the I don't think the Bills have
1: any shot, right? Your um, your Browns. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they've been up. If they forgot how to play football, or mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just, it's infuriating just how inconsistent the Browns are right now. And going back to what you said about them. Being as disappointing as the Rams, no, I think the
1: Rams are more so because the Browns you expect to
2: be disappointing every year. Yeah,
1: you know what they? I think I thought they had such high hopes, but when you had, when you bring your quarterback in and he can't play till eleven games or something, and they and they got to go with uh, Bissett, who's no, no nothing against them, but he's a backup quarterback. He is he's not an NFL
2: starter. He's a solid backup. I mean, if if you had to give me any a choice of any of the quarter, backup quarterbacks in the league as my backup, he'll be in the top five for sure. But yeah, it's just, I mean, he's been a bit inconsistent at times, but better than a lot of backups out there, but it's that defense. Just we had such high hopes for what would happen with the defense with, you know, two great pass rushers on it. There and, I know uh, Garrett and uh, what's his name? Uh, Clowney on the other Clowney. side there. And they
1: just can't do anything right. Joe Woods' scheme just sucks every single week. Yeah. It's just, I, I feel bad for the coach and the fans up there because they, They've set him up to fail I don't know how you can you can think you're gonna have a, a a playoff type season when you're you are you are counting on a guy that, that may or may not come back at all I don't know it's just kind of weird all right back to picking football because we we know nothing about football so we're we're, we're obvious by our picks but we're gonna go with the we have the San Francisco 49ers at the uh the Cardinals Arizona Cardinals the Cardinals are getting seven and a half points um you know what I'm gonna take the cards. All right. What do you like? Give me
2: one. I got to go with the 49ers then.
1: Okay. I think seven and a half. I think the Niners are going to win it, but I think it's, I think seven and a half is a little, a lot of points. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, you're looking at J- Jimmy G to score points and he just, he's been, he's one of those guys that's missing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just, he's a good quarterback, but he's just not, I wouldn't want to count on him when the chips are down.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: lastly, we have your Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I said that your Dallas Cowboys
3: <laughs> at
1: the Minnesota Vikings. That Minnesota Vikings Buffalo Bill game last week. I don't know if you saw it. It was probably one of the best football games i would seen in the last 15 years. That it was so exciting back and forth, fumbling on the goal line. You know, they they stopped them. It was just and then they uh, Allen throws the interception and, and overtime, it was just a really good game, very entertaining game. And uh, you know, Pit Minnesota, what are they? are eight and one now, and they, everyone's like, well, they haven't beaten any. They haven't beaten any. Well, they beat Buffalo in in uh, Buffalo, which was a really good game. So we get Dallas at Minnesota. Drew, you get to pick first. All right, let's
2: see
3: what we've got here. At number two, that is going to be Minnesota. I got to go with then. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: will I'll take Dallas just because I think Minnesota might have just uh, all, all their luck last week. <laughs> you know, I think it's gonna be a close game, and but it's only one point, so I'll take the one point and Dallas. Well, truth, that wraps up fast forward football. Welcome back, Cal- Colegram back there. Yep, come on back. We're we're done. You can come back in the room now. Yep. No, the nonsense is over. Yeah. Um well I was at the uh, Northeast Collectible show, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And I got to talk to a lot of the guys that were signing. One of the guys I got to talk to was Andrew Raycroft. Andrew Raycroft was a goalie for the Bruins, and he played for Toronto and Colorado. We think he played for Colorado as well, Drew. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. And he is um, on TV here. He he does the color call and call and commentary and stuff after the game uh, on NESN. So he he really this we I talked to Andrew um, right before the season started. So uh, you know, if I I asked him about how what he thought the Bruins going to do this he 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 had foresight to know that they were good before the season started so uh, and here's enjoy my uh, short interview with Andrew Raycroft. We are ha- here at the Northeast Collectibles Show in Quincy, Mass, with former Boston Bruins goalie Andrew Raycroft. Welcome, Andrew. Nice yeah. to stop by. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. You, you know, Andrew, I, I'm going to say it. I look at you, and I'm like, you're so small for a goalie. Most most of the most of the goalies, you think they they're, they're six foot two and 250 pounds. You know, you you must have relied on quickness as, as your your. Uh, Thing when you were a goalie.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm tall and long, but certainly uh, not thick by any means. But that's what most goalies you get the gear off. They're all they're all string beans at this point now. So you get uh, the two grass of the world are six four one eighty. So I know the guys the like the guys on the
1: yeah, on the Rangers and the uh, Tampa Bay. Those guys are big guys. Yeah, they
6: look huge. They look <laughs> huge. The gear nowadays too, right? It helps so much.
1: Now you, what, what years did you play for the Bruins?
6: I was here in 2000 to 2006. I was in the Boston Bruins.
1: Did, um, you played with Ray Bork, right?
6: Uh, I trade. I traded camp with Ray. Ray tra- got traded my, the year, my, before, year, my year. first year. That was the year he won the uh, Stanley Cup in Colorado in 2000, 2001. That was my first year.
1: And you, um, a- as the, the Bruins were always in the playoffs and they were always a very good team, did you uh, was there any, did you get make the Stanley Cup Finals any years you were playing?
6: No finals for me, unfortunately. No Stanley Cup rings for me, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know. It, it, It's so hard to win that trophy the hardest trophy to win and it's uh for the guys that have one it's pretty special
1: we're speaking with andrew raycroft here he's former boston bruins goalie we are at the northeast collectibles show um do you do many shows and are you surprised at the turnout at the show
6: turnouts unbelievable i couldn't find a parking spot i couldn't get into the log period it was uh yeah packed so it's a it's a great turnout great show I don't do a whole lot of them. It's hard to find time uh, with the kids and everything else going on on the weekends. But this is a great one, and, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Did you?
1: I think I saw you at the alumni event. Did you play at the oh, alumni yeah. event that against the Rangers that they had out at um, at, Bentley? at Bentley? Yeah. Yeah,
6: I did. They, I, I had a, they they made me strap the pads on for that one. That was the last time I've had goalie equipment on. Uh, but it was a great event, great turnout, Bentley, great arena, but uh, fun. I get out with the alumni guys as much as I can to it's kind of my beer league to, to hang out with the guys and, and get around them and, and tell stories. So I try and play as much alumni as I can. The
1: Bruins have a great alumni association. They do a, a lot of charity work. Were you up at the uh, the bowling event that they just recently had up in Tewksbury?
6: I missed the bowling event. Frank Simonetti, our uh, incoming president, does a great job with that. That's his baby. And, uh, they do, we do raise a lot of money. It's, it's, we do about 30, 30 to 40 games throughout the winter that guys get out to raise a bunch of money for charity and it's just a lot of fun so so we're real lucky i'm real lucky to be able to to be a part of the uh the alumni here in boston it's a great group.
1: we're speaking with andrew raycroft andrew Raycroft of course was former boston brewery, go, brewing goalie uh, in the 2000s early 2000s and we are here at the northeast sports collectible show which is the very first show in quincy mass and, and uh, andrew's here signing autographs um do you were you a collector back in the day
6: uh, yeah, I did. I, I, small town Canada. We had. Uh, I always try to get cards in my hand. and sticker books, and my dad. So we have we have a bunch of cards, and my parents kept a lot of my stuff as well. So so yeah, we have some stuff. Kicking around the house at some point uh we'll go through it my kids kind of get a kick out of it when they go back to grandma and granddad's house to, to go through stuff so there's uh there's some stuff at home and you know probably not as big as the guys here but but certainly uh always love the cards and back in the day especially when there was only one or two sets it was easy to keep track of and, and collect for me
1: did you save any uh, memorabilia from your playing days and did you collect autographs or or get any autographs because you were around so much great guys you know Cam Neely was always around and Johnny Busick and Bobby Orr and all the, the Bruins great Phil Esposito. Did you ever get autographs from those guys or, or autographs while you were playing?
6: Yeah, I got some of the stuff, but, you know, it was more for presents and holidays and things like that. I, You know, you try to get a few Bobby Orr autographs and, and Jared Cheevers, and Wayne Cashman and... And all the guys in chief, like you said, all the guys hanging around. Um, I got a few sticks from guys that I played with that were, I, I knew were going to end up in the Hall of Fame, but uh, I probably should have collected a lot more with, with all the guys that I played with.
1: Did you, when you were uh, playing, did you ever go into a, I always ask this for former players, did you ever go to a supermarket or grocery store and buy a couple of packs of cards to see if you could get your own card?
6: I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have done that. I, I probably thought about it or probably looked at them but, but I never I never did and if, if I did I certainly never got myself in a pack. I would remember that. Did you
1: have a um, a player that you idolized or, or fashioned your game after?
6: Uh probably not fashion my game, but Patrick Wall was when I was a kid and when I was growing up he was the, the greatest goal in playing. So I was a, I was a big Canadians fan growing up. Just from like Ontario,
1: and I love basketball. Is there anyone in today's game that uh, fashions your uh, the game that like you played? Do you, do you look at somebody and say, hey, he stole my style? Uh, no, unfortunately,
6: <laughs> I, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't worthy of having my style stolen. No. Uh, but no, the game's changed so much. Eight years since I've left. It's so fast. The goalies are so big and strong, and they move so well now. It's it's really hard for me to recognize the position. Some days it's so different. It's how do so different. How do you think
1: the Bruins are going to be doing this do uh, this, year. Good this year? I know. Yeah. Good start to a really good start.
6: Yeah, they look good. The new coach seems to have done a lot for guys. Uh, looks looks refreshed. Look, guys, look excited to be at the rink again, and uh, I'm. I, really bullish i think this team can go real far especially when they get all their, their guys healthy yeah they
1: look good i think they're gonna miss uh, marshawn though i think he's oh yeah he they're gonna really miss marshawn well we're speaking with andrew raycroft here at the northeast collectibles show in quincy mass andrew thanks very much for stopping by and, and please enjoy your time with I the will. fans i will
6: thanks for having me it was awesome thanks. thank you you got it nice to meet you nice to meet you thank you all right have a great day thanks thank so much
1: you. well drew i had fun talking to these guys you know it, when you're you're in a, um, a, a setting like that, you know you, you don't have their undivided attention. They got people are pulling them back and forth, and they're you know they're going they're working, they're trying to get signed, and this this in you know it's like we're at a card show. There's just so many people around, but it was nice to to have a, a few minutes with Andrew. Um, I'd seen him play at a, a an, old, uh, an alumni game. They call it an alumni game. Mm-hmm. I saw him play at an alumni game, and I remember him as, as a goalie, and he, he saw uh He's very articulate and, and uh, very well-spoken. And it was some, some of these interviews, uh, you know, you know, I don't have a chance to do any research and just go right in. And like, oh, he's Andrew Raycroft, you know, he, before I had it, so uh, I didn't have a chance to really research him. But it was so fun to talk to. Yeah. I just looked it up. So. Uh, I was going to say, I just looked it up. Besides the Bruins, the Leafs, and the
2: Avs, he also have spent, I completely forgot about this, a year with Vancouver and two seasons even right here in Dallas with the Stars. I completely blanked on him being there for that.
1: Yeah, I think his rookie season, he was, if he didn't win rookie of the year, he was in contention for rookie of the year, right? There were three big ones that year. It was him,
2: was uh, Michael Ryder up in Montreal, and uh, Trent Hunter down in uh, with the Islanders. Those three had huge rookie seasons. That was right when I was in the middle of all of my uh, biggest amount of uh, in-person graphing when I was in Boston, so I remember that season well.
1: Yeah, he was he was really good, and I think he was in the Andy Moog trade. I think, right? Didn't they trade him to Toronto for Andy Moog? That no,
2: this would have been well after
1: Moog had retired. Who did they get from Toronto? Oh no, no, um, T- Tuka Rask. Was that's that the Rask deal? Okay, yeah, that's who they got. That's who, I knew he got traded for another goalie, and it he was here. it was Tuka Rask. You're right. Well, that wraps up um, my interview with Andrew Raycroft. Next up is making the grade.
0: Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win.
1: Making the Grade is the summary of what's been going on in the grading community. We just want to remind everyone, our friends at CSJ have extended their sale through the end of the year, doing 20% off all grading services. Just go to csgcards.com. It's a pretty good deal. And you know what, we've been talking for, I don't know, forever, right, about grading cards and there's so many things going on so i i did we i did a little card cost card card grading cost breakdown for everyone um just the four leading companies and this is this is just kind of like one off if you're going to just take one card and send send it off to them uh psa that cost that'll cost you about 22 dollars now and their turnaround time is about 120 days cs so s sgc sgc they're 22 as well but they're they have a 15 to 20 day turnaround so you get um same cost as psa but uh not as much lead time you know and the sgc was the one that graded that mickey mantle the the 12.1 Mick, mickey mantle and they've been around for a while they are in florida i think they're in on the east coast like for a lot of area right aren't they I know they're Florida
2: because they, they were uh, doing authentication for a while too. And a friend of mine who now works at Beckett was down there for a few years with them.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Beckett, Beckett is still, they're still grading there. $25 for to grade a card and that's a 180 day turnaround. So they, they've got the longest turnaround and the most money right out right there, but they are very good at authentication, right? You sent you some cards in to get authenticated and it was pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it was about a uh, 45
2: days. Uh, so I think, I think they had, It was a 45-day service, and it took a little bit under that on
1: authentication. Very cool. And then, of course, our friends at CSG, they have a sale going on. They're uh, $18 uh, for 60 days turnaround. These are, of course, we're just talking one-offs. So if you do more cards and different levels, um, you, you know, I'm sure you can work, work out some type of deal. But these are just one-offs. Just to give you an idea, because it's it's very confusing with the four different card companies. It's all sorts of different off- offers going around. I would suggest just signing up for one of the companies. Give it a try. It's really... You know, it doesn't cost you a ton of money to grade one or two cards just to see how the card company goes and their holders are not all the same. And it's it's good. It's a good idea to just get one or two cards graded from each company just to see what they have to offer. And that way you can find out the one, the service that you like the best and the case that that you like the best and the label that you like the best. And, um, you know, there is a place for grading in our hobby. And, um, you know, I think grading obviously is here to stay. Well, here's some numbers uh, from PSA.
2: yeah, PSA, uh, I mean, we've tried to update you on the numbers there from them anytime we can. and great stuff in the last seven days, two hundred and thirty five thousand to one hundred and thirty seven card slabs, so nearly a quarter million going into slabs over the last week out there. One million cards that have been graded by them over the last thirty days. been averaging, uh, if you want to do the math on that, that comes down to thirty three thousand four hundred and ninety two cards per day getting graded over there at PSA. So, uh, They're keeping busy there. I'd love to know how many are on their grading staff at one time to be able to knock that much out in a single day. I mean, that would have to be, I think, well over a thousand people grading. I know. We should love to
1: see their operation. I just envision like the Willy Wonka thing with a guy, you know, Veruca's father paying all these people, these women to open uh, Wonka bars to find the the golden ticket. I just envision this big warehouse with like all these people just sitting there grading cards.
2: Yeah, Yeah, geez. Uh, Some info on some of the biggest card sets that they've been grading here lately over, uh, I think this is maybe over the last 30 days or so, but their biggest uh, sets have been the 2021 Panini Prism football set. A lot of that going through and getting slabbed there. Also the 2021 Donruss Optic football set. So a couple of recent football uh, offerings there being among the top ones and one that's always getting graded heavily. The 1986 Fleeter basketball set rounds out the top three.
1: I, I think I told you this. My brother was a, he's four years younger than me. So I was in college from 83 to 87. So I didn't collect a lot of cards then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but he was really, that was like his, his sweet spot in terms of when he was collecting. And he bought, he loves basketball. He bought so many, 86 flare basketball. He had boxes full of them. And um, he, he, when i you know, I moved out of the house and he was in college and he, we have a friend that owns a card store and he just, he just sold all his 86 player basketball mm-hmm. to this guy without telling me. Yep. And he yep. had, he had n- multiple Jordans, all like you just named, you know, he just bought, he just would buy all, the, all these cards. And I, 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 the, I, I tell him every time uh, I see a Jordan go, Oh, that one went for 1.2. That you mm-hmm. had probably five of those <laughs> 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 kill. It kills him. But thank you, Drew. That wraps up making the grade. Next up is the TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. You want to do it?
0: I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast Stamp of Approval?
2: The TTM Cast Stamp of Approval.
1: (laughs) Perfect. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Drew, you have a really good one this week. So I'm going to let you go first. first. Yeah. The reason I thought of
2: this was because I ordered one of these up
1: from Little Caesars
2: last night. And uh, not necessarily their version of this, but the entire the entire existence of this my ttm cast approval this week goes to detroit style pizza now as a loyal ohioan big buckeyes fan it's hard for me to say a whole lot of positives about things in michigan but there's some foods they do pretty well up there and detroit style pizza is one of them and it's something that a lot of the nation doesn't know about because when somebody says pizza what's the first place you think of new york or chicago typically chicago's got you know the deep dish uh, thing that's almost more like a Cheese and tomato casserole inside of a crust more than like a, what we, what most people consider a pizza. New York, you know, it's t- typical Sicilian style. Detroit style pizzas are square or rectangular. That throws you off first, right? There is the shape of it. It also doesn't really have much like an edge crust on it the way that other pizzas do. And it's baked inside of a rectangular blue steel pan. And the reason they came up with this was it was this place called Buddies in Detroit, came up with in 1946. They, uh, Put together like a like a focaccia bread crust on it, then put the toppings, then put the cheese over the top of it, and then when it's done, that's when you ladle the sauce over the top of it. There, so it's like kind of almost inverted the order of the of everything there. But um, if you do it just right, the cheese goes all the way out to the edge there, and kind of gets this like a burned caramelized ring around the edge there. That's just so good. You got to if you get if you ever get a Detroit style pizza, you got to go for the corner pieces if it's uh, if it's like an eight eight cut. But uh, yeah, a lot of places have started picking up on that. Now Pizza Hut uh, does one like every six to eight months or so you can find it there. They uh, always advertise the hell out of it. Little Caesars is doing one right now. They've been advertising that one. So it's like, all right, I got to go and try theirs out. Not the best, not the worst. It's it's, I mean, it's a pizza, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And uh, the biggest one though, if you have jets pizza near you, check them out, try them out. They do a their, their regular pizza is a Detroit style. So yeah, Detroit style pizza is my number one, uh, my number one favorite style
1: of it. And
2: that's my TTM cast stamp approval for the week.
1: Hey, when you were in, when you were in Boston, you were in school, did you ever go up to Salisbury Beach or Hampton Beach and get the, the beach pizza up there? I never did. Never got up that way at all. Oh, they have this. It's the only two places I've seen it is they have this beach pizza, right? So it's just, it's got, it's just like this huge flat tray and they put, um, you know, the crust and then they put. Uh, mozzarella cheese on it and uh sauce and then you you get extra cheese they put this round piece of provolone on it <laughs> so it's just really it's really good and the crust is is thin so it's you know it it it's really crispy yeah. and it's unlike any pizza that i that i have had and uh it's the only two places that i've seen it it's re- it's really good so nice. maybe maybe when you if you come up this summer we'll, i'll have to take you
2: yeah i'll definitely have to check that out at some point
1: all right, my thank you, Drew. My TTM Castan approval is a Willie Mays documentary on HBO. Uh, I'm not sure what the the title of it is. I actually was uh, flipping. Uh, I think last weekend, and it, it just started It just started, and I didn't even know about it. And I guess it's been getting critical acclaim. It's very very well done, and there's all sorts of they show all sorts of baseball cards in it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And they interview all sorts of uh, people that played with Willie and they interview Willie extensively. And he looks great for, I think he's what, 90, whatever, 92, 93 or something like that. Yeah. He looks great. And uh, the best, the-, the best guy, the guy that I thought was the star of it was Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was articulate. He was uh, heartwarming. He was insincere. He could see the love he had for Will- Willie and Willie Mays. And, and uh, you he talked about um, how he should be Willie, uh, is, one of, is the best player and all, all different momentums and, and his, in Willie's career. And it made me look at Barry Bonds differently. I always thought of him as being kind of a gruff, grumpy guy. You know what I mean? But he was, yeah. you should watch it. Willie Mays' documentary, very well done. All sorts of old, ton of old footage um, from some Negro leg stuff. And it's just really, really, really good. So I highly recommend Willie Mays' documentary. On HBO. Make sure you check that out. Well, Drew, that wraps up our uh, cast stamp approval. Next up is the Vern Rap Minute. <laughs> Why don't you do it? You you
2: do it so well. All right. Well, the Vern rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp, former Major League manager, longtime minor league player, and uh, the reason he's got the name on there was uh, Jeff mailed out an autograph request to him, and unfortunately did not know that he had already died. So uh, we provide this as a uh, service to let you know who has uh, passed away recently, whether it's in the world of sports, uh, celebrity. Music, movies, politics, anything like that, just so you don't uh, just so you don't do the things that we have done in uh, in that area.
1: Right. And I know it's nice about, about it. Uh, you know, these people had lives and it gives them it gives us a chance to kind of look back at their lives for just a brief second and pay uh, homage to them. Uh, you know, we we lost uh, Jake Jack Reed who was an outfielder. He was an outfielder with the Yankees from 1961 to 63. He played in two World Series. He was kind of the, the fourth outfielder for those teams. Uh, his One of his claims to fame is he hit a home run to win the longest game in New York Yankee history. It was a 22-inning game against the Tigers. He hit it off of Phil Regan, who was a, a pretty good closer and release pitcher back in the day. Uh, Jack Reed was 89 years old. He was a, a pretty good tea tamer as well. Uh, so Jack Reed, 89 years old.
2: We also lost Val Delroy this week. He was 95 years old and appeared in one NHL game, played for the New York Rangers back in 1949 in in his only game. But he also had a a fairly lengthy career in Canada in the junior and senior amateur levels there around that, uh, besides that one NHL game. So lengthy career there, but only uh, got to the show for only uh, one game out of there. But yeah, 95 years old.
1: We lost Brent Moss. Brent Moss was a running back from Wisconsin. He played in Wisconsin his college ball, and Wisconsin has produced so many great running backs uh, over the years. Uh, Brent Moss played for the St. Louis Rams in 1995. They only played one year. He uh, last TTM was 2021, so he wasn't much of a TTMer. Brent Moss was only 50 years old. We also lost Chuck Carr this week. Longtime
2: outfielder for several teams, played from 1990 to 97 with the Mets, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Brewers, and the Astros, so five teams across eight seasons, but led the league in uh, the National League in 1993, had 58 stolen bases that year, so able to make his, uh, make his mark there as a bit of a speedster in the outfield, uh, not a consistent TTM, or his last success was in 2018, he's been battling cancer for the last few years, and he was 55 years old,
1: Yeah, this one, uh, I I was a big fan of this gentleman uh, in the world of celebrity. Uh, We talked about Robert Clary. Robert Clary played LeBeau on Hogan's Heroes. He was actually an Auschwitz survivor. Uh, I believe he's the last surviving um, major cast member from Hogan's Heroes. Uh, Robert, And he was a good TTM as well. He he signed a lot through the mail. Uh, Robert Clary was uh, 96 years old. Uh, we lost Keith Levine
2: this week. Keith was a uh, founding member of Public Image Limited, which, of course, was uh, kind of a Sex Pistols offshoot there with uh, Johnny Rotten. He's also a member of The Clash as well. He was a guitarist there in uh, each of those bands. He was 65 years old.
1: And lastly, we lost John Aniston. John, of course, you Aniston is uh, Jennifer Aniston's dad. He was a star on Days of Our Lives for, for a long time. John Aniston was 89 years old. Well, Drew, that wraps up um, Burn Rob right Minute. Our condolences uh, and sympathy go out to you. We're sorry for your loss. Next up, we're going to talk a little TTM returns.
0: Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns.
1: Drew, I had a pretty good week in TTM returns. Should I do my returns or do you want to do yours first? Either way, I'm good with either either option there. All right. When I run through mine and then, then you can do yours. I got, I think what I get two, four, six, eight, about 10 returns. Nice. So it's a, it's a good week. I've been, I've been getting like one or two a day, which is, I like, I like, I like getting a couple of the day as opposed to getting like eight and then right. getting yeah. nothing the rest of the week. So I'll run through mine. I got uh, this, a lot of these I got at the, um, at the Shriner show, uh, what, two weeks ago I got these cards and I sent them out like that Monday or Tuesday after the show. Uh, and they're, come, they're starting to come back, so it's kind of cool. So I got a 1970 uh, Roger uh, Raposa. He played outfielder for the Angels. He was a big bonus baby, if I do remember correctly, right? And he played. He was with the Yankees, I think, and a few other other teams. But uh, he signed his 70 card for me on, in blue Sharpie. And again, these, these came back. These are real quick returns. These are all less than 10 days. I got uh, Alvin Hill, who played safety. For the Detroit Lions on his 83 tops football card. I got this one is a weird one. I I sent out to Steve Blast. Steve Blast was a pitcher with the Pittsburgh Pirates forever, right? Did he ever play for anybody else? I don't think he did.
2: I don't think so because I think he retired after he uh, developed Steve Blast syndrome there. So I think he
1: he was just the one that couldn't throw the ball. To the plate, and he, but I and he's a, a broadcaster, I believe, he was yes. a broadcaster for Pittsburgh for a number of years. Well, I sent out a 71 a 70 and a 70 tops and a 72 tops. He signed the 72 tops, and I flew sharpie. He kept the 72 tops. Oh, geez. I don't know why. Hmm. Just so, just so maybe he needed it for a set. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but he did sign it. I got um Wilbur Wood. I had, I, I again, I was I got the at the show and I was flip through cards i saw this one this is a 1971 72 cards it's a 72 71 pitching leader card that he shares with mickey mail and mickey mail mickey lolich and Vita blue and he signed he's on he signed it for me i'm gonna i think send off to blue and lolich and and get that finished do you have that one done
2: i think i have two out of the three i think i've got uh i think lolich is the only one i'm missing on there
1: yeah, I know Lowlich is like 20 bucks, but I think I might just b- bite the bullet and
2: yeah. The problem I have there is that I mean Lowellich is 20 each, and I think I need him on like three cards in there. So I'm like, oh god, what do I go with first? Cause I'm not gonna send $60 at all. No, I
1: know. Well, this one this one was kind of cool. This one I had I had, had it in an envelope for a while, and then I was going through my stuff and I and I said, Oh, I gotta send this out. So I, I said in uh, 1982 and 1984, Willie Wilson tops cards, he signed Blue Sharpie. Um And very very cool. He signed with put his number on it, and I sent. I think I sent ten dollars, and he signed both of them for ten bucks. So I'm very happy with that. He was one of you know how I'm sure you're the same way. You have guys that like you know they sign, but you just for some reason you hold on to the cards, and or you just don't get it signed. Willie Wilson was one of those guys to me. I'm like, what am I waiting for? For ten dollars, Willie Wilson's worth ten bucks. So I sent it off, and he, he signed both my cards for me, which was nice. So I got uh, Dennis Harris. Dennis Harris was a guard, all-pro guard for the Rams for a long time. He signed his '86 and '87 tops cards for me with this number. That one took—I think that one took like three or four weeks to come back. I got this is one for you. I should send this to you. Let me hold it up. I got. Do, do you know the name Tom Sladini? Sladini. He was a—he was a punter. Okay. Well, I was, I was gonna say truck.
2: it seems like I'd heard the name somewhere before, but I couldn't place where. But okay, in that was but he sent okay. this. Can you
1: see this? Oh, nice. So it's like a five by seven index card, but it's Ohio State Buckeyes with with a the a, a cool thing, and he signed it. And I've seen that better. Yeah, there we go. You know? Cool. Nice. So he sent that, and he sent another custom card. He I sent his he signed his '83 tops card. He also sent a custom uh, Ohio State card. So he was cool. a punter kicker for for Ohio State, and he was a punter in the NFL with the Lions, and he signed that And it. It took like less than two weeks. Drew, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put that Ohio State card away, and I'll send that to you because cool, you're thanks. an Ohio State guy. Yeah, I got um these are these are two cards. Buck Martinez. I always think of Buck Martinez playing in the uh, in the late '70s and early '80s. Well, mm-hmm. I stumbled upon both these cards, his '71 uh, and '72 tops cards at the show. For I got them for like a quarter each, I think. So I, I signed see. I sent them both off, and he signed. He's a really good TTMer. Do you have the seventy-two? I'm sure you have a seventy-two card, sign. I do.
2: Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I've gotten him in person before. I've gotten him. I think by mail, and then I think I actually bought that seventy-two or traded for it or something like that. But
1: yeah, there's a nice card. It's, his uh, seventy-one card's a really nice card. He looks like a little kid, but it's a. It's, it's a. <laughs> it's a. It's a nice card. So, and then I got. Um, Dick Boseman, who played for the uh, Senators and Indians and the A's, I believe, I had sent out – I think I had sent him a 76 or 77 top card a couple weeks ago. Again, I stumbled on these cards. So it's his 71 card. He's on the Senators. 72 card was the first year of the Rangers. And so he's he's looking up, and you know, no logo, but you can see he's wearing the, the red uh, Senator hat. He signed a both in, in a blue Sharpie, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming you have him.
2: I so, do. Yeah, you. he actually uh... – he did a signing here in Arlington uh, earlier this season as well.
1: He's a good guy. Did you get to talk to him at all? Yeah, I did. He was, yeah, real cool. And then lastly, I believe he this guy was a um, Super Bowl MVP. Rod Martin, outside yes. linebacker for the Raiders, right? Yeah, it sounds right. So he no, I, don't, his, I don't think
2: he was an MVP, but he did have a real good one there at one point with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I think I the, so.
1: Yeah. He signed his 83 and 86 Tops cards for me. Uh, in Black Sharpie, he put his name and his number. and that this one that one took um, I don't know, maybe a month. That one took a little while to come back. But um, all in all pretty good. I sent out, I think I sent out another eight or ten this week. actually, I sent, I sent one out to. I saw um Steph Curry mm-hmm. signed a couple. So I sent one I sent one out to care of the team. It was one it was a um it was a contender card I had kind of a card I didn't mind if I he didn't get mm-hmm. back. so we'll we'll see how that's coming. Did you get that one from the former um, basketball player that you and I talked about? Have you got that one back yet?
2: I have not gotten it back yet. I did mail that out though, so hopefully that'll be uh, coming in though. So uh the, everything that I set out in that batch is starting to come back right about now. So uh haven't gotten that one yet. But uh, I do have three that are coming in the mail today. I'm not going to talk about those yet, though. I'll save those for next week since we've got kind of a shorter week before we record next week's show. But so I'll save those ones for there. But I did get one back this week, and that is from a basketball player. Well, not a player. It's a coach, actually. But Adele Harris, who was a coach of the Milwaukee Bucks in the late 80s to early 90s. He was with the Rockets in the 80s. He was the coach of the Lakers throughout the 90s he may have won an NBA championship with them I'm not sure though off the top of my head but uh he's been an assistant coach all over the place he's been involved in coaching basketball since like the mid-60s or so never played above college at all I think even there it was like a division two college or something like that but absolutely legendary coach and uh he's been working in the front office with the G League team in uh in Frisco the Texas Legends but he was inducted into the Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2022. And so I sent a couple cards over to him. Got those back in just a little bit over a week. So uh, his 8990 hoops card is his first card ever. So technically, that is another Hall of Famer rookie card that I've gotten to add to that uh, kind of semi-project that I'm working on right there. So, yeah, that was the only one I got back this week. But, hey, I mean, anytime you can add a Hall of Famer rookie card signed to a collection, that's a pretty worthwhile a worthwhile endeavor right there.
1: Did you send it to him to care of the team or did you send it to his home address? Oh,
2: uh, this is a home address. It's up on a uh, sports probably sports card forum as well. But uh, I'm sure he was signed through the team there as well, but I just, I think I would go for the home address since I'd seen successes there.
1: Yeah. I think that I didn't, I didn't know he signed. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go pull that card out. I'm sure I have it in my mess somewhere here. That that's a good return. Well, thank you, Drew. Uh, I think I sent out another eight or ten again this week, so I'm trying to trying to be consistent. Next, you know, next week's Thanksgiving, so I probably I probably won't do much TTMing next week. But we'll uh, we'll we'll get back on it. I've I've got a I got a bunch of stamps. I got I got some envelopes prepped already. I just gotta just gotta pull the cards, you know. I'm the opposite. I've got the cards
2: pulled right here. I'm just waiting to you know work up the. Uh work of the effort to go and write the letters out and everything and stuff the envelopes there. But I've got my pile here of stuff to send
1: out at least. Yeah. I'm looking for, I like, I really had fun going to the, the quarter box and the and the dollar box at the card show and put, pulling out a bunch of guys that signed. And I was just, I didn't, you know, I know you can go online and pick the, you know, find guys, guys sign, but I was just kind of do it, doing it from memory. And, uh, I probably I probably should have just asked, how much for the whole box? Because
3: <laughs> that would have
1: been, <laughs> yeah. been kind of cool. Well, thanks for that, and uh, wraps up TTM returns for the week. Next will be our weekly TTMcast interview.
0: This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, CSGCards.com, for superior sports card certification and grading.
1: This week I had the pleasure of talking with Ben Carher. He is a baseball card mosaic artist, and he's at Sports card mosaic.com is his website you might want to check that out and we talked to ben about um what goes on in putting together his artwork and we also talked to him about collecting so uh we're gonna have a great interview with ben hopefully you enjoy that but first here's a message from our friends at csg
0: CSG has graded one of the most iconic sports cards. A 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card recently received a CSG 8, which is valued at $2 million. More and more collectors are trusting their prize collectibles with CSG. CSG has extended its 20% off discount through the end of the year to give collectors a chance to experience its low fees, fast turnaround times, and crystal clear holders. Head to CSGcards.com.
1: Welcoming to the show is Ben Carher. Ben is an artist and card collector from Colorado that uses technology, art, and drawing skills and sports cards to create one-of-a-kind mosaic, iconic sports cards out of mostly junk error cards. I know the guys; that's a mouthful. But what Ben does is incredible. He he's so uh, talented, and his work is so outstanding. You can go go to his website. SportsCardMosaics.com. That's SportsCardMosaics.com. Check it out before we before you listen to this this interview because you have to see his mosaics, which are incredible. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Ben, I'm going to ask you the, the, the question right. Which came first, the chicken and the egg? Was it collecting first or art first?
4: It was collecting. So um, when I was when I was young, um, kind of during the junk era, you know, just like every other kid on the block, I collected cards um, and I was I, I played a lot of baseball I was really into it I lived in Georgia at the time so huge Braves fan um, but yeah for a few years there from I would say probably around 1990 to 93 or 94 I heavily collected and uh, then I fell out of the hobby for a long time and um, in 2018 uh, my father was going to the basement throwing stuff away he, he called me up. He said, hey, I, I found all your old baseball cards. If, if you don't want them, I'm just going to throw them away. And I said, don't throw them away. Don't
3: do that. Don't, that. Do, that. don't
4: do that. So I, uh, I was actually on a road trip that year. And I stopped in at my parents' house. I picked up all my cards and, um, you know, figured out what they were. Figured out they were mostly junk. Um, but that kind of sparked me to get back into collecting. And uh, it was really, you know, through the research and stuff, and through kind of getting back up to speed with the hobby that I came across, I came across some artwork by a fellow named Tim Carroll. He's a professional artist. He does the same type of stuff that I do. And when I saw his work, I was really blown away and inspired by it. And since I had all these junk cards, I figured uh, I might as well try this. And so that's kind of how the whole art thing started. Um, and then, you know, from there, it was kind of a learning experience and just figuring out developing my process and stuff. And um, yeah, so that, that's kind of how everything panned out. And that's, that's kind of how it went down. Is Tim, I think I've seen
1: Tim at the National, right? He used to set up at the National. That's correct. And, be, and, and create our, his mosaics at the National, correct?
4: Yeah, so he, I think every year sets up a booth. I've been to one national in the last, I think it was 2019 I went and I saw his booth. So he had some of his art displayed there. And then he, he also uh, works on it while he's there. So did cool he? Spot. is he the
1: one that really inspired you? Were there any other artists out
4: there that, that are creating these mosaics out of uh, cards or? Um... Um, you know, I've seen a, a few other guys that are doing it. Um, uh, it was really Tim's work that inspired me, but I think his work has inspired others as well. Um, I've even had some people reach out to me on social media uh, that have been doing their own projects and wanting some advice from me. And of course, I'm always happy to, to tell people how I do it. And um, so, yeah, there there are a few there there are a few guys out there. Um, one of them, a buddy of mine, uh, also from Colorado. His name's Ryan Smith he does some of this kind of stuff. There's a fellow on Twitter that I see, Josh English, I think is his name, uh, does some mosaic stuff. You know, everybody's, all of them have their own style, um, but yep. uh, same kind of concept. So there are, there are a few out there.
1: So wh- what year did you start um, and how do you choose what cards you're gonna uh, feature
4: in your mosaics? Well, uh, it, it depends. Um, I'm most familiar with baseball cards. So, you know, there's um, obviously because I collected a lot and, um, and, and th- that's why I still collect baseball cards primarily. Um, but, you know, when I look at a piece that I'm trying to build or a card that I'm trying to build, um, just try to identify some of the more prominent colors and then just see if I can find um, a set you know that that has something like that usually uh, I like to look at backs of cards for instance um, a lot of the 80s and early 90s Don Russ have a very uh, large areas of color on the back where it says career highlights and stuff you know the sure. 1988s are blue and then the 1989s are a, one a certain orange and the 1990s are a different orange um you know, the 91s, I think there's two different colors. One of the series has a blue, one of them is kind of a light green. So, you know, there's a lot of options, um, but, but there are obviously other sets as well uh, that have, you know, every single card in the set has a patch on the back that's a certain color. Um, so, um, you know, if it's something that I can't find on, on the back of a card, I might just look for random background areas. Um, when I build a face, I usually try to use all faces. Um, so it's a little tougher for me with, uh, non-baseball with football and basketball cards. I've actually had to do my little extra research to figure out and then realize, okay, I need a bunch of 1991 hoops. So then, you know, I'll go on eBay and find a lot, you know, find a a 200 card lot or something like that. Uh, Or sometimes I'll just buy wax boxes and rip them and (laughs) the cards that way.
1: Are today's cards, uh, you know, the more glossier cards or the chrome cards, are are they not conducive to creating mosaics? And do you prefer the junk era as opposed to some of the newer releases? Uh,
4: yeah, I mostly prefer the junk era. Um, some of you know some of the base cards from the modern stuff is fine to work with. I've used a lot of. Uh, I think it's 2019 tops has a has a nice gray stat box on the back that I've used for some of mine. But I primarily lean towards uh, junk era cards and I don't really collect much modern. I'm into vintage cards more. Um, so, you know, I've bought a box or two here and there, um, uh, and I have used some of the base cards and stuff, but any of the thicker or shinier, the chrome ones, I, I, I stay away from.
1: Now, I, I know it takes a while to, to create a mosaic. What, what, what is, what's the average, uh, hours you put into, um, Creating a, a mosaic, and, and I would say from the time where you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, you know, you just finished the tra- Tom Brady mosaic. Like, okay, I'm gonna do a Tom Brady mosaic. How much time do you spend, you know, sorting cards and finding out all the cards that you need, and then cutting them up and then creating the mosaic? That that has to be labor intensive.
4: Oh yeah, it, it it is, and you know, it, it's gonna depend on on the complexity of the card and and also what sport it is. Um, like I said, you know, baseball is is the easiest. And, you know, you get some cards are solid backgrounds, you know, nice portraits. Uh, I think you probably, if you were on my website, you probably saw the Nolan Ryan I made. You know, The some 76
1: point, lot Ryan, I love it.
4: Yeah, that one's actually made from all Nolan Ryan cards. Um, I know, I well, want to buy that
1: one. and <laughs> I want to buy that one.
4: <laughs> yeah, So, but, but um, that is actually an example of one that's not as tough as some of these other ones. So, you know, the Nolan Ryan, I would say when all is said and done, um, that's probably seventy or eighty hours from start to finish, um, but you know the Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or the Tom Brady, we're looking at well over a hundred hours um, when all is said and done. So it takes a lot of patience, and um, you know I give myself a long time frame. If someone commissions something, I give myself several months and uh, just chip away. You know, and and uh, you know you just kind of have to. You have to be patient you know it seems overwhelming at first when you're looking at a big blank template and like gosh I have to fill this whole thing in you know and you just put in several hours and you only cover a few square inches and but you know you just gotta just gotta keep with it and, and just be patient and keep keep building and keep going and then you know slowly but surely it all comes together so but yeah it is very uh, very labor intensive and it takes a lot of hours and and a lot of planning and stuff so um, well your your
1: uh, learning curve must have really helped in terms of you know you just mentioned a a, a card to whatever a 1990 Donruss, and, and, and you know, I know the, that that has the great blue back and I'm going to you know that 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 makes a great sky and you know you must you you, you have all that um knowledge that you've built in from building these mosaics right
4: yep that's that's correct so you know uh, the first few that I made, I didn't really know where to look. And then, you know, the, the more the more I built, the more I kind of caught on to, you know, what years and sets I need to be looking for for certain colors and stuff. So um, especially with baseball now, I have a pretty, a pretty solid knowledge base of uh, what colors are on what sets.
1: Is it almost
4: like you have a palette? So, you you
1: know, you have you have a five count box and it's sorted like, OK, there's all here's my blue backgrounds and here's my faces and here's my greens and, you know, here's my red palette. And that, that's kind of how you, you start constructing? Uh,
4: yeah, that's well, one of the approaches definitely is I, I try to get a, a palette of different colors. And, and, you know, I try to simplify the image of the card and break it down into a discrete number of colors. Um, I have a, a, a pretty scientific process that I use to build my templates. Where I try to reconstruct an image using some Python scripts that I wrote, uh, I reconstruct the image out of, out of say eight to 12 discrete colors, RGB values. And if mm-hmm. I can get, and if I can get what looks like a pretty good representation of the card by only using eight colors, um, then I know that if I can find those eight colors in, um, you know, my selection of cards, theoretically, I can only use those eight colors and I can build a pretty good representation of the card.
1: Yeah, one of the things that was interesting to me when I was doing my research on you is uh, the faces, the guy's faces. You don't like the guys to have beards and mustaches. You just want to have a, a, full, a kind of a full face shot, right?
4: Yeah, you know, eyebrows, mustaches, beards, those can be shadows, those can be problematic. So a lot of times you'll see that I only take a portion of the face. Um, you know, you'd think uh, without having done this kind of art, you'd think that, you know, if you just had a face that's going to represent a certain color, but, uh, in practice, it turns out, you know, um, facial hair or shadows on the face, uh, can actually really make it in, in multiple colors. And so, um, it's always nice when you find a well-lit, clean-shaven player. <laughs> and a bald guy like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, I, I learned that one pretty quickly, uh, that you can't just cut out the whole face all the time. And, and, and some faces are essentially useless, you know, it looks like it might be helpful. And then I end up only cutting out his cheek and using only the cheek. So um, I've gotten a better sense over the last few years of what to look for when I'm sorting through cards and looking at faces and stuff. Well, you know, what can you just give
1: us your kind of your basic process and how it's changed and this technology uh, really advanced in, in the last couple of years? And has that helped you uh,
4: create uh, mosaics yeah. quicker so there was a lot of um, experimentation early on the very first piece I ever built I did it in probably the most rudimentary possible way <laughs> um, I, I literally just gridded out made a grid by hand on paper and I printed out an image of the card I wanted to build and I drew a grid on that and I just sketched out you know the features and stuff and so I really had it was just totally from scratch um, but, you know, I, I work as an engineer, I have for for many years, and I've learned a lot about writing computer code and stuff. And I had some ideas of how I could use a little science to, to, to you know, make this a little easier and to help me build a template. And so I experimented with a few different methods. And what I ended up landing on was uh, what I kind of just talked about, where I, I go into the, I basically just open the image, an image of the card in, in Microsoft Paint. And I sample different colors from the card, save those as JPEG files, just, just a sample of say the Jersey, or the hat, you know, the backgrounds. And then I try to reconstruct the card using Python code. Um, I reconstruct it out of just a discrete number of colors. It usually takes me a few iterations through uh, so you, you
1: kind of back-end engineer it, so to speak, so you're, you're, you're basically rebuilding the card based on color palettes, is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah I, yeah, I take an image of the card and I go and I sample various colors and then I have code that reads the RGB values of the samples, mm-hmm. and then I have code that attempts to rebuild the card out of, say, only those, those 10 colors. So it'll go literally to every pixel in the card and identify the closest match to out of those 10, and then it'll create a new image where now that pixel is the closest match. And so what I end up with is an image of the car, but there are only 10 RGB values being used. And uh, if that looks reasonably good, that's what I'm going for. So once it, once I can rebuild it out of 10, or sometimes I need to do a few more, sometimes it's 12 colors, sometimes I don't need as many, I'll use eight. A black and white image, I might only need you know four or five. Um, but if I, can get that, if I can get a nice result out of that, then I move forward in my process. And so then the next thing I do is I have another section of the code that actually goes through and finds the boundaries where it changes from one color to the next. Um, for mm-hmm. instance, you could think about uh, an eyebrow, you know, it's a, maybe a light color on the forehead, at some point it becomes dark. So the next section of the code essentially just outlines all the regions that are the same color. And so it really gives me a good overall structure of the card. And I wish I had an example to show you, but uh, um, I guess maybe if you dig through some of my Twitter posts, you might see some of my uh, work in progress where you can kind of see my template. Um, So what I do is I have this template that is now all of the outlines of all those same color regions. I stack that on top of the original image, and then that's what I use on my laptop. I look at that, and I have the template that, that I so then I chop it up, I put it into Microsoft Word, I size it appropriately, I print it out, I piece it all together. And now I have this nice template that has all these outlines on it. And I have all the outlines stacked on top of the original card. So I can look at my template and say, okay, this region right here is the medium skin tone, you know, brownish color here. Yeah, sure. And so then I can, you know, sort out and just find only that color and fill in that spot with just that, essentially that color and so on and so forth. And, and that's how, that's how I, uh, I do all my pieces now, so I think I've done um, the last probably twelve pieces or so with this with this technique.
1: And um, it's almost uh, like paint by numbers, almost right. So you're getting it to the point where okay, I, I need uh, you exactly. know whatever the RGB for that red is, and then you you go find the cards that that have that red, yep. and then you just you cut you cut them out, you physically cut them out of the uh, out of the junk. Cards, right? The cards that you have in, in your, you, I'll say your palette, and then is there, um, is there um, a size that you like? I mean, you don't take, you don't, you don't take a whole big splotch of red. You like to have multiple different sizes,
4: right? So, to
1: give it the mosaic look.
4: Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. I definitely won't always use the the, uh, the entire the entire portion that that's a certain color on a card. Um, a good example that I have uh, uh, is. There's a nice red on the backs of 1983 Donruss Action All Stars.
3: Okay, uh, but of course are, you knew
4: that right off the top. But of your those head. are jumbo. <laughs> those are jumbo cards. So you can you could theoretically cut very pretty large pieces of solid red out of it. I'll usually cut those large pieces into three or four smaller ones to so that you get kind of more texture, more pieces.
1: How many cards typically get used in? Um, you know, you, you 20 by tw- uh, 28 seems to be your preferred size, right? Yeah, so it's that's 20 by 20 for, a, for a
4: standard um, for a standard two and a half by three and a half inch card that scales nicely, and um, it's eight eight times the, the dimension in each in each dimension. So, um, you know, it, it's got to be over a thousand. I would I would guess, and I think it, you know it will depend on the piece. Um, you know, for the Tom Brady, for some of the the details like the face and the helmet, I had to cut some really small pieces. Um, I mean, you know, I don't really keep track, but it's gotta be over a thousand in on average um per piece.
1: Did you have you ever um cut any valuable cards, quote unquote, to include it in a mosaic uh, or is it mostly, uh, uh, ax- even I mean Tom Brady has dollar cards, right? There's plenty of dollar.
4: Yeah, I accidentally cut a uh a Gronk rookie on the Tom Brady. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I, I, salv- I saw caught one and, and kept it, but I cut up another one and realized right after I cut it. Um, you know, I try to avoid cutting up Hall of Famers uh, for the most part. Sometimes I like to sneak in a little Easter egg. Um, you yeah, know, I was going to
1: ask you that. Is there any, Are there any kind of special um, cards in there or special things that you put in that, that uh, only the, the expert collector might find?
4: Yeah. So I, I like to drop in a little, like I said, a little Easter egg here and there. So, um, you know, maybe I'll drop in a cow Ripken somewhere or just some, you know, but, um, but for the most part, I just use uh, random stuff. Um, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll try to, if I can, you know, lean a little more heavily towards, um, like, for instance, on the, on the, pa- uh, the uh, Tom Brady, I happen to have several boxes of Patriots cards. So I made him, Tom Brady himself, um, you know just his face and body and everything just him on the card completely out of Patriots that was not a request from the person who commissioned it I just decided to do it because I could and of course uh, I regretted it a little bit <laughs> about half <of> the piece <laughs> because it made it a little trickier but but I thought it added a kind of a nice touch if you go in and look closely at the Tom Brady you'll see a lot of uh, uh, Patriots references and stuff on the backs of cards and things so
1: what percentage of your work is uh, commissioned? What percentage is uh, just something that you like you, you want to do and, and uh, later sell off?
4: Well, um, over the last probably two years, it's been almost entirely commissions. I kind of got in a little over my head, maybe. Um, <laughs> Don't <and> we all? <laughs> I kind of over, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I overcommitted, but I, I committed to some commissions and, um, you know, I, I do work full time as an engineer, so I have to I have to carve out the time to work on the art. And it just kind of worked out. So where I haven't really had time to do much in the way of personal projects um, until now, until now. So uh, I the Tom Brady was the last uh, active commission I had lined up. And... Why don't you
1: let, let my listeners know some of the um, cards that you've created
4: and, and maybe uh, one or two of your favorite ones. Oh gosh. Yeah. I've uh, Let's see. Let me just try to think back uh, in reverse. So Tom Brady, uh, the Bowman Chrome, Tom Brady rookie was the most recent. I finished a uh, Michael Jordan Fleer rookie before that. Uh, before that, I think it was a Kobe Bryant rookie card, his tops rookie. Um, prior to that, the most recent two, there was a, it wasn't actually a card. It was an image of Ricky Henderson after he made his record breaking steal, and he's holding the base up. Yeah. Um, and then there was a 1933, I think is the year, the DeLong gum cards, a Goose Goslin. Yeah. Why, why, why did you choose that one? Did that someone commission that one was for also, you? That was also a commission. Okay. Um, then there was the 1949 Bowman uh, Larry Doby. And uh, gosh, there was, what was the other one that I did? I, remember, I know
1: I saw a 54 Kofax. That was yep. really cool. Uh,
4: 55 Koufax. 55 Kofax. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I did a, I've done a Ricky Henderson rookie. Uh, I've made oh, Cracker Jack Walter Johnson. A, oh, yes, the, the Walter Johnson. Yeah, that's the one I was, that I was missing there. Um, Kari Yastrzemski rookie. I've done a 76 Nolan Ryan. That one's made out of all Nolan Ryan cards. I did one of a Cal Ripken. It was, it was based on a postcard of his, actually, an okay. early 80s postcard. That, that one's made out of all Kyle Ripken cards. Uh, I've done a couple like team logos. I've done a Cubs and the Broncos team logo out of all of the, those teams' cards. Um, I've done it uh, 66 Tony Perez, um, uh, 50. Why did you
1: choose Tony Perez? Was that someone that,
4: that was also a Richard? commission? Yeah. Okay. I saw but, that and I was like, that was kind of a weird, weird choice. It's a great card
1: but it was, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. thought you just chose it out of the blue. I was like,
3: you know, no,
4: I, I would say most of them have been commissions. Um, you know, I started off doing a couple of Nolan Ryans. My very first piece was uh, based on the Nolan Ryan rookie, the 68. Sure. And, uh, and I built it, built the Nolan Ryan and the Kyle Ripken and I uh, was doing, I did a Rockies and the Cubs logo and, you know, at that time, I started landing commissions, and then it's been mostly commissions from there. I've started a couple other personal projects, but they're uh, they've been kind of on the back burner. So I'm working on a Jackie Robinson that's been, you know, it's uh, just a nice black and white portrait of him, and I, I started on it, and then uh, now it's been sitting and collecting dust, so to speak, <laughs> for a while. Um, so so like I said, yeah, I may have gotten in a little over my head. Um, only to the point where I've kind of neglected my my personal projects. And so um, right now, you know, I think I'm, I'm not actively seeking out commissions at the moment. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, I can work on some things that I've been wanting to do. Um, I wanna build a 1969 Topps Johnny Unitas for my father. Okay. Uh, I wanna finish this Jackie Robinson. And I would love to, I would love to do a Roberto Clemente. Um, I've never had the chance to do one for through a commission. I think a 1956 tops would be really beautiful. That's a
1: beautiful card.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so many options, you know, there's so many wonderful vintage cards out there that would just make really, really beautiful pieces. So, um, I I think moving forward right now, um, you know, I'm not eager, you know, I'll always give someone a quote, but I'm not eager to pick up new work right now. I'm not desperate by any means um i'm hoping that over the next uh, several months i can work on some stuff that i want to do for myself do you have a favorite one out of all
1: the ones you've done and is there one that was um most challenging
4: uh so most challenging is gonna either be the kobe bryant rookie card or the tom brady i would say um
1: just because of all the different colors and all the uh, and especially the kobe with all the background
4: yeah and when you have those um sort of very the the photograph action shots um th- when the face you know and the features and stuff are really small relative to the card it makes it much trickier to capture it well um for the kobe bryant the background was there was so much going on there uh and I right, really, it's a really busy card it is there's a lot going on i mean you have all of kobe himself you have this very very busy background. You have a defender right there and a teammate there, kind of you know part of them in it. You got a you know the defender's hand is in there somewhere, um, and then there's this basketball with a smudge that's part of the the top's design that goes across the bottom. You know, so underneath that smudge, the colors are now different. Yeah, uh, that was an extremely challenging piece, and uh, and it was. Yeah, I mean, I think that one—I I almost cried a couple times working on it. <laughs> it was so—it was so hard. Like I got to—I took the money
1: from this guy. I got to get this <laughs> yeah. one done.
4: I'm like, I should have charged twice. What was I think? I should have charged double. No, but uh, but it's always so rewarding to uh, when, when when I finish that it, it makes it worth it. It makes it worth all the blood, sweat, and tears. Um, have any of the
1: athletes that have been featured in these cards have they contacted you about creating a car a mosaic
4: for them? uh no no nobody has ever done that i know that uh tim has done some stuff for personally for some players i think he built one for andre dawson and uh joe tory and maybe a couple others but yeah i've never been contacted by any of the any of the athletes before uh, but i think i fly a little more under the radar than someone like tim he's got work in the hall of fame and um, he's been doing this for a long time and has made a real big name for himself
1: can you can you just i i don't i'm not asking you to quote me anything just can you just give us a ballpark of 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 how much it would cost to have somebody create to create a mosaic for somebody just not not a kobe a kobe bryant one (laughs) but maybe one that's just a headshot with a nice clean background
3: i
4: try to to look at it from a a standpoint of how many hours do i think i'm going to put into this you know and um so we'll say you know on average let's say 80 hours um you know, I target about 30 an hour for the labor and then maybe add another couple hundred for materials and shipping and, and stuff. Um, and what so does it go
1: with? Does it go on a um, on, a, on a, a canvas like a regular canvas? Is that is that also what...
4: I end up just uh, it just goes right onto printer paper and okay. then I coat it with a, a clear coating. I use uh, something called Mod Podge. Um, it's a uh, you know, you can find it at your local art store. But the stuff I, they use for puzzles when you put puzzles together it's just a clear uh, adhesive, essentially, uh, coating. So it dries clear. Um, I apply it with a, with a foam brush. And so once I've done that, um, it actually remains rigid enough. Uh, you know, you want it in a frame. So um, then I'll put it in a frame. But yeah, so it's just, it's just printer paper to start. And then, and then I, when, you
1: put the, when you adhese the cards onto the, the final
4: piece, is that just regular glue stick you're just putting on? Yeah. So yeah. So I, I put it all down with just glue stick first, and then once it's all finished, once everything's in place, then I apply the Mod Podge, and that just that seals everything, holds it all together nicely. So
1: once you put that Mod Podge on, you're not worried about because the glue stick is okay, but it, yeah, it falls, but the it, glue
4: stick it will it will degrade, and the pieces will it'll, the piece will come apart if I don't right. do anything else. But the Mod Podge really seals it in well, and. I've never had any problem, you know. I'm I'm assuming that it's it, it'll last for a long time, but I mean once it's in a frame, you know, it's just it's just kind of stationary and seen there and um, that, you know, that was the what the old ladies at the art store recommended, so <laughs> I trust I trust the old You always listen to the church. the old ladies at Michaels right yeah, exactly yeah i feel like they must they, they must know best so that
1: that's funny uh have you ever thought of selling posters of your your mosaics you, you know you, you have these are one of a kind items you know to share with with um with fans i'm sure people
4: would love to have um, yeah i do so i always make sure to get a, a very nice photo of everyone that i build that i can use for for prints and um i don't like i don't act actively advertise them um, and, and really go out of my way to try to sell them. But, um, I, but I can have them made pretty easily. And, uh, and I have uh, sold a few and given a few to friends and family and stuff. And, and the prints actually, they look pretty good. Um, you, can e- you can make out you know, most of the stats and stuff on the backs of the cards and stuff. Um, and, and, and I have just an iPhone 11 Pro. I bought the one with the, with the nicest camera possible. Yep but it does pretty well. Um, and so I just take a nice picture with my phone and um, make sure that I got it, you know, nicely centered and, and in focus. And once I'm happy with that, I have a file that I can use for prints. And so that's definitely a much more affordable alternative to an original piece. Um, and, you know, I, I'll offer prints of any of the pieces I've done. Do you know, where do you get your cards from? Do
1: people donate, um, you know, the junk era cards for you or? or uh, so, yeah.
4: I've had a lot of people that have done that. Um, that have reached out to me on social media, you know, because a lot of people have junk stuff, right? They made a lot of it. There's a lot of it out there, and uh, I think a lot of people, look, you know, kind of like me, have uh, dug up their old collections and then realized, uh, well, it's mostly junk, you know. But what are you gonna do with it? You know, do you throw it away? But they, you know, a lot of people have seen my work and reached out and said, hey, you know, I've got, you know, a couple thousand cars. Do you want them? And um, for a while, I was saying yes. Uh, of course you know i also went through a, a period when i got back into collecting where i bought lots of wax boxes and even some rack cases and stuff yeah and i bought a, a a vending case of 1987 tops <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i mean we're talking you know tens of thousands of cards uh, are you so, surprised the
1: prices of the junk air has really increased in the last couple, year or two
4: i haven't been following it much i have a lot of uh, that, of stuff from that i mean i have tons of you know very yeah i'm saying the
1: unopened stuff you know the unopened boxes of you know used to be able to get them for five dollars and... i
4: did notice that uh, last time i last time i looked at uh, 1987 don russ is one of my favorite junk era sets uh it looked like the, i couldn't get a box for for less than double what i paid a couple years ago so yeah but I think that's consistent over um, uh, the vintage market, too. I noticed uh, I had bought a 1952 Topps Willie Mays uh, SGC 2.5, you know, two and a half years ago for $1,200, and I sold it uh, unwittingly, you know, later that year for $1,700. And now I recently looked at comps on eBay, and it's selling for, you know, upwards of five or 6000 <laughs> So there was definitely yep. a surge, I think, all around um, during COVID and stuff. You mentioned
1: uh, social media. Why don't you let people know where they can follow you on social media, and if you like to give out their your email address, if people have questions for you.
4: Oh yeah, sure. Um, So I am mostly on Twitter. That's kind of where I I spend most of my time on social media. And so um, you can search Ben Carraher. There's only, as far as I know, only one Ben Carraher out there right now. Um, There was an Irish senator or or something (laughs) like that named Ben Carraher. I think he recently passed away, but. So as far as I know, I'm the only Ben Carraher, that's C-A-R-A-H-E-R. But yeah, my handle is at card card underscore mosaics. And uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I think searching my name will get you there, Um, no problem. And I I do have a Facebook uh, for it as well. I'm not very active on my my art uh, page for Facebook, not nearly as much as Twitter. And I do, uh, I do like to buy and sell cards and stuff on Twitter as well. So um, I, do, I do a fair amount of that, too. I, I, love, like, I love collecting. I love the vintage stuff. And my collection is always changing. Um, so, you know, I buy things. And then if, at some point, you know, a lot of them I'll sell off and to go after something else. So, um, but there We're, talking few- with
1: ben. We're talking to Ben Carraher. Ben is an artist and card collector from Colorado that uses technology art is drawing skills and sports cards to create one of a kind mosaics of iconic sports cards out of mostly junk era cards. Guys, check out his website, which is sportscardmosaics.com, right? Sportscardmosaics.com. That he has all his uh, mosaics up there. There's some that are for sale if you, you want to take a look at him. His 1976 Nolan Ryan is beautiful and that one's for sale and he has a bunch of other ones that are for sale and uh, he does take uh, no, 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 uh what are they on on consignment commission. not consignment commissions commission thank you that that, that that's the artist right <laughs> he takes he takes uh orders on commission
4: um ben i'm gonna give you your email address if that's okay uh yeah my email address is uh jammin j-a-m-m-i-n 0511 at hotmail.com i've had that for i think almost 30 years <laughs> well we're gonna
1: we're gonna have J- uh ben's contact information stuff on our website on our our podcast website so if you want to reach out to ben uh he is busy he's working on a jackie robinson now he's going to do a 1969 uh johnny unitas for his dad and uh you know he'll he'll pick and choose (laughs) he's a busy guy do you have any help with uh creating the mosaics or is this a uh, a a solitary effort
4: mostly a one-man operation um my girlfriend has helped me sort cards before you know yeah. So if I say, "Hey, I really need you to find some black backgrounds for me," she'll be happy uh, to go through a box for me every every now and again. But it's mostly it's mostly a one man show. Hey, are you going to be exhibiting at any uh, card shows in, in the next year or two? Will you be at the National? You... I would like to, um, but I don't have any definitive plans uh, at this point. Um, but I I, I want to start. I know COVID kind of goofed everything up, but I think it's all kind of coming back now. So um i i, I want to look into some local shows as well i know there's a couple shops in colorado that do shows um that i've that i've done you know before covid um so yes uh, i don't have anything lined up but i i will be looking into that uh soon for for because that's always fun
1: all right i'm going to suggest you start selling posters on your website <laughs> <laughs> all right. because, uh-huh. because i bet you'll sell a bunch of them because your work is fantastic and the detail is Uh, amazing and it's really cool Uh, you know a mosaic guys is is, he cuts up these cards and he makes these uh, awesome pictures from all these little cards that he cuts up and you can see people's faces, you can see statistics, you can see you look at a card, you would be like, oh, I know where that card, that, that's from, you know, if you're a card collector like myself, and he just makes, uh, he's making art out of junk, that's the best way we can describe <laughs> it, right, Ben? Yeah,
4: yeah, making something out of nothing, I guess.
1: <laughs> so, it is, it is fabulous, I want to thank you for spending some time, I know it's it's hard to discuss art uh, on a podcast, on a radio show, but guys, check out sportscardmosaics.com, you'll see what Ben does, there's, uh, you, there's a YouTube on uh, uh, about Ben on on YouTube. If you want to check out the video, it uh it, it pretty outlines a lot of his, the stuff that he does. You can check that out as well. Uh, and Ben, I want to thank you for your time today. And it yeah, was no, a pleasure no meeting. me. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Well, Drew, we wrapped up another one, my friend. Another he one did. in in the books. You know what? This one this one flew by. I looked looked by looked down. I was like, geez, we've been on the phone, we've been on uh, our our call here for recording for a, a long while. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy talking collectibles with you hopefully you guys enjoy uh drew and I and our, our banter and our bad football picks i want to yes. thank ben carhart the artist ben carhart for ju- joining us uh, i want to thank our friend clemente lisa our co- a correspondent world cup correspondent clemente lisi for joining us i want to thank andrew raycroft for joining me at the card show um it was you know it was fairly fun guys if you want to enter to win uh, a copy of clemente lisi's Book new book it's called the fifa world cup a history of the planet's biggest sporting event just send me an email you send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com all you have to do in the uh, seg- segment subject line just put like book raffle or uh, Lucy raffle or something like that just so we, we know we're going to be giving this book away next week and, and when i found out whoever the winner is if you want to want uh Clemente to autograph it for you he can i he might he might even autograph for one that the copy i sent i i have it in, in the envelope still, so I'll check, but we'll we'll, we'll get it autographed for you, I'm sure. Uh, so I want to th- thank uh, you guys. Please enter. Next week uh, is Thanksgiving week. We have Wilma Briggs from the All-American Girls Baseball League talking to her about her career and playing for such Hall of Famers as Jimmy Fox and Max Carey. We'll also have a week's worth of uh, World Cup games to talk to you about. Clemente Lise, he'll be to open his Prism World Cup uh Hobby Box, so we can talk to a little, see what he got there. Um, we got all sorts of fun interviews scheduled for the next uh, few weeks. We're going to have a, a really fun promotion that we will talk to you guys about next week. We'll kick that off next week. And that's going to go all through the month of December. So hopefully everyone can take part in that. We're really excited about that. Has uh, been speaking with the uh, lampila kids and their father, and they uh, thank. They want to thank everyone again for all the donations. The kids are uh, beside themselves on how much stuff we sent them, and they're, they're so thrilled with that. So thank you, everyone, for that. True. Um, anything else before I let you go? No, nah, I think we covered everything pretty well. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Regular show next week, but we will post it. We'll post it early, probably on Black Friday. So, if I, if we don't speak to you, you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you um, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to wish everyone many happy returns. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.